The truckers in Canada have all but one. They've won. And I'll tell you why. They haven't necessarily gotten everything they've wanted, but the government seems to be cracking. Trudeau seems to be breaking. There's reports now that many of the VAX passports, the VAX mandates are going to be lifted. The government has talked about removing many of these mandates, not because of the truckers, by the way, but they've won for one very simple reason. It is now confirmed from city officials, tow truck companies have refused to intervene to move any of these big rigs. They have outright said, we work with these guys. We are not going to intervene. And the government responded by these tow truck companies won't be an obstacle to us ending this protest, which means what? They're going to seize the tow trucks and force them to do it. It ain't going to happen. Not only that, some of these heavy duty towing companies said, listen, unless the truckers agree to be moved, you it's impossible to move these trucks. The city is shut down until the truckers decide. So that means as, as far as I'm concerned, they they control the city. And there's about an estimate of 500 or so trucks gridlocking the city. And there's tens of thousands of more truckers who are actively protesting in many other places. The government has one choice. Comply with the protesters. And the protesters aren't asking for anything material. They're not asking for money. They're not asking for buildings. They're simply saying, revert your decrees. The truckers aren't saying we want. They're saying, stop doing the bad stuff you've done by decree. That's honorable. We had a bunch of other news as well, though. There is a Republican congressman who's claimed the Capitol Police special investigators dressed like construction workers broke into his office, photographed protected materials and interrogated a staffer. These are dark days. The same day we're hearing this, Louis Gohmert said that the DOJ is spying on mail from his constituents to him. It's getting crazy out there. And then uh, on a more funny note, I guess Donald Trump has weighed in on the Joe Rogan controversy, offering Joe some good advice saying, stand strong, don't be weak, and don't apologize. Meanwhile, Neil Young has doubled down. He said it wasn't about censorship. He said it, it was it was about, you know, he doesn't want to associate with Spotify, except even after he's won, apparently, and got his music removed, he's calling on Spotify employees to quit their jobs because it is about censorship. So we'll talk about all of those things. Joining us today is Will Chamberlain. Yeah, uh, senior counsel at the Internet Accountability Project and the Article 3 Project, um, fighting, you know, big tech censorship and things like that. But really the last six weeks have been, I've been in the newborn haze. My, my lovely little Elizabeth was born on December 30th. Congratulations. Um, That's great. Um, Jordan is at home taking care of her and hopefully watching. Um, and uh, I'm happy to be here. Happy to be back and back and, you know, joining the, the world of the living. So your, your credentials is dead. Yes. Yeah, that's right. My there credentials is uh, dead. Will time. Chamberlain's joining the show. He is, uh, dead. Yep. And thanks for joining. <laughs> it's Hi, should be fun. We got, uh, Seamus. Seamus Coglin. I run a YouTube channel called Freedom Tunes. We upload political cartoons every single Thursday, sometimes, uh, on Tuesday as well. And we uploaded one today, as a matter of fact. Tim voiced Fauci. And it was about the Joe Rogan controversy. If y'all want to check that out. I'm excited to be back uh, and excited to have Will on. We've done a couple shows before, usually really interesting. So, uh, And your title is Father, Fa- uh, Father uh, Seamus. No, absolutely so. not. No, sir. <laughs> First of all, that is stolen valor. Absolutely not. <laughs> I'm Ian Crossland. What's up, everybody? I'm not a dad yet, but hopefully one day. That's my plan. And um, so I'm excited to have a baby one of these days. And, and Will, thanks for thanks for doing it. And then. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm really planning on having a baby pretty soon, so I'm really excited about oh, that. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Stuff, excellent. Yeah. 
Uh, you can follow me, IanCrossland.net, but let's get this show going. Yes, I'm very excited to be here as well. Thank you all for tuning in this evening. Always good to have Will's legal counsel, or not legal counsel, I'm told. And uh, I'm excited <laughs> to talk. Let's get going. Before we get started, my friends, head over to TimCast.com and become a member because we are primarily supported through memberships on the website. That's how we fund everything. And in the event we ever face any kind of real censorship, that's where we're going to have everything. So your membership is a protective barrier from the censorship and, you know, the activist attacks and all of that stuff. So it's really appreciated. But as a member, you'll get access to exclusive members-only segments from this show. We will have one for you tonight around 11 or so p.m. That will be at TimCast.com. So sign up there, support our journalists. But don't forget, like this video right now. Smash, honk that like button. Honk one it. like is one honk. Honk it right Honk now. it. Honk. Give it a honk. And uh, a good honk. And uh, share the video. Sharing really, really helps. Subscribe. Let's jump into that first story. This is incredible. So we've heard rumors. There was local reporting from independent outlets that they called tow companies and the companies are like, look, we're not getting involved in this. We don't, we don't want to, you know, tow these trucks because we work with them and things like that. But now we have the CBC and the government acknowledging towing companies on city contracts even are refusing to move convoy vehicles. You're going to love this. Look at this. According to uh, Canelicos, Mayor Jim Watson has reached out to his counterparts in other Ontario municipalities, but no dice. No one wants to help. Right now, the consensus seems to be that many of them or most of them don't want to do the work because they rely on the heavy truck industry for their livelihood and they don't want to damage that part of their business. That's the position they're taking, at least. Deputy Police Chief Steve Bell agreed that finding companies that will agree to tow protesters has been a challenge in, quote, every jurisdiction that's faced this, and it's forcing us to come up with some creative solutions. He wouldn't elaborate on what those creative solutions might be, but said police are coming, quote, toward a position where we're not going to let the tow truck operators be an obstacle to ending what's occurring. I just want you to think about that last quote for one quick second. What, is, what does that mean? They're an obstacle. Oh, you've gone to a private company and said, I require your service. And they said, good day, sir. Mm. And you said, you are now an obstacle to me yep. ending a protest. What are they going to do? Steal the tow trucks and operate them themselves? They're not going to know how to do it. Could you imagine some cop being like, let me just figure this thing out. I think I, think I can get it. <laughs> They'd have to steal the vehicles, commandeer these companies because the companies won't do it. It's, it's very difficult to tow trucks when the tow trucks won't tow trucks. Mm. Exactly. <laughs> well, there's also a quote from a local trucker who laughed at the prospect when they, someone asked him, are you worried about getting towed? And he said, anybody who's worked with these big rigs know, knows that when you activate the air brakes, these things cannot move mm. unless the operator wants them to move. Thing, yeah. So the tow truck drivers are like, that's, that's one of the other stories we have. They're basically saying removing trucks, well, they're literally saying, would be almost impossible. It's a gridlock. Think about it this way, too. You've got, you know, let's say you have four by four trucks in the road. How are you going to be able to tow one of the trucks one at a time and try and clear it out? It's, it's insane. They're heavy duty. The companies won't do it. And even if they could, these trucks have basically gridlocked the area. They're smaller cars. It's, I'll, I'll say this, physically possible logistically impossible. Yeah. Moving all these cars to get to the trucks and then clear everything out, it's never going to happen. Yeah, not without not without the cooperation of the tow truck companies who mm. can give you the expertise necessary, not without some amount of meaningful coercion that you can enforce. I mean, if you think about if you had an individual tr tow truck or an individual trucker who was pulling a stunt like this, okay, you could probably figure out how to do it. If you find one tow truck, you could be like, 
also like we're going to throw you in jail for a long time unless you help us the longer you wait the worse it'll be for you um but when when you've got like a mass protest like this where the tow trucks are you know it's just they're they're in an impossible situation yeah yeah, one of the things i love so much about this is that there have been so many instances in this country of specific special interest groups with a lot of money and power who are very cunning trying to resist specific policies and not being able to and then you have these truckers who band together and no one can do anything about it. It's really incredible. Well, the crazy thing is the solidarity, I guess. Yeah. It's that, that the truckers took action and the tow truck drivers are like, nah, nah, we work with these guys. We're not getting involved. They, they can offer up the cops everything in the world. Apparently, mm-hmm. Ottawa police are exempt from the vaccine mandates. Mm-hmm. They give them special privileges and the cops with a smile on their face, put the boot on your neck. But when it comes to the industry of truckers, too many people rely on them. Imagine it this way, too. It's not just tow truck drivers. There's probably a supermarket and the cops are going to be like, don't you provide service to these truckers? They're going to be like, I don't want to get involved because if I start making these guys angry, they don't deliver to my store anymore. Yeah, I, exactly. I, I got to work with these guys, man. Yeah, if the well, truckers boycott a, a grocery store chain, that chain's in trouble. Yeah. No, well, that's that's what I'm saying. That's what I love about this so much is that it has to be unbelievably frustrating to them because the government has been able to push around literally everybody. Mm-hmm. And you look at all the incredibly powerful people who – cower at the face of policies and uh you know try to resist them but are unable and then you just have truckers banding together and people standing in solidarity with them and the political class is unable to do anything it's about kinda it kind of like an immune system like it's a natural emergence of the system is it's it it, it rises up and defends itself it, it it wipes out any kind of ill you know it it, it, it that's truckers, what it seems like it seems the, like an, well the truckers are like the red blood cells yeah, of the body but now these uh, truckers are acting like white blood cells yeah. leading out a dangerous corruption macrophages i guess <laughs> i guess what i'm really trying to say here is there's an incredibly valuable lesson in all of this because it wasn't a think tank uh, it wasn't a political interest organization. It wasn't any group of intellectuals that banded together to resist resist this policy and push back against it. Like it was literally just ordinary people. Mm. It's like a snooty rich kid on the playground who's bullying people because he's allowed to do whatever he wants. And then there's some just like regular working class kid who minds his own business. And everyone's always getting picked on by the snooty rich kid. And then everyone's just like, I wish you would stop. And then one day the regular kid who's just like, he just gets up and he's a bigger dude. And he just shoves the, the snooty little kid to the ground. And he's like, you can't do that. Don't you know I am? And he goes, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like you finally push the, the quiet guy. He's, he's had enough of your BS. And there's nothing you can do except comply. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. comply. Is it so hard? You can go back to normal if you just comply. Well, I think Justin Trudeau was saying that the only way to get wait, what, oh, I gotta get his quote. You guys, the only way to to stop removing our our rights is to remove some more rights really quick. I don't know what he said. Yeah. Yeah. Watch this long video for Mike and, and I'd be a little insane. sympathetic to the left on this if they hadn't spent two years justifying every type of lawless disturbance and riot over their own pet <laughs> exactly. causes. You know, like as a general matter, I want to be in the position where I'm saying, no, riots are bad, obey the law, whatever. But I'm sorry, you guys spent two years blocking traffic over, you know, Extinction Rebellion and Justin Trudeau rooting it Absolutely. on and all this nonsense. And but, I'm but like, the, take the, some of your own medicine. The, the riot. So I'm not I'm not familiar how bad riots got in Canada, if at all. I don't know. Yeah. I don't pay attention to Canada all that much, to be honest, a little bit. Mm-hmm. And this story is particularly big. So, you know, we are we are uh, yeah. seeing it with uh, as, as it goes to the, the cultural left. You know, these guys are engaging in possibly the most peaceful protest you could ever engage in. 
the roads are shut down. There's no risk to someone getting run over. Remember when BLM went in the highway and were like dancing around and the car like swerved and hit people? Like, that's dangerous. They've shut down downtown streets. So there's no yeah. traffic. It's way safer. Uh, doesn't, and doesn't, isn't like false imprisonment the way that sort of st- standing in traffic to like they, block just average everyday yeah. people is? Well, they've not, they've not, they've not taken any police stations like in yeah. Chaz. They're not they've, riots. These are protests. I mean, the, they're, they're not attacking cars. There's, there's a bit of a private nuisance. So I don't know if you guys are familiar with nuisance law. Mm-hmm. Uh, so nuisance can take any number of forms. Like say you have a plant that's putting out nasty chemicals into the air the people who live around you have a claim in tort for nuisance right you're not allowed if you if you're damaging everybody around you's property then and and that's uh that's a nuisance so and nuisance can be noise too right like obnoxious noise pollution in the middle of the night is not lawful um in general so like i get you know i get again so i get a little bit of where they're coming from but i'm just under the circumstances in canada sorry no you get to deal with this until you repeal the mandates because you decided to let your people run wild. Way, do way worse things. I'm fine with nonviolent civil disobedience that breaks laws. Mm-hmm. When Extinction Rebellion blocked the roads, that boat in D.C., I think it was, I said, hey, you know what? More power to them. Honestly, they're going to have to come in. They're going to have to remove those, the boat. They're going to have to arrest everybody. The people will get arrested. They will get charged. It's not the most egregious charge they'll ever face in the world, but they didn't get violent. They made their point and they got arrested for it. That's kind of like the middle ground where we're like, well, we don't want people to always be doing things like this, but we tolerate a certain degree of civil disobedience when people want to get their voice heard. Truckers are doing just that. I'll defend that all the same. But when BLM and Antifa go around smashing windows and burning buildings down, nobody agrees with that. That's you, you've, you've gone so far over the line. We're like, dude, stop. You're crazy. You're crazy people. Yeah, I, it's contextual. If there was a purpose for that, like in a war scenario, you do do that to preserve yourself. You have to like fight, but the context didn't seem right for the riots. It seemed out of context. And this does seem in context in Canada. And it's also specific to a very narrow ask. I think that's another reason it's substantially more virtuous, right? Like Black Lives Matter, what are they asking for? Like end systemic racism. What does that even mean? And how do you how, do, it? Yeah, how do you exactly. verify it's done? How do you know? It's just like an yes. endless ask for whatever. Whereas these guys are like repeal this executive order. It's, right. No, Once we, we'll go home the moment you do and, this and one And they're not thing. asking for a gain. Right. right. So so BLM people are like, we have a list of demands of things you have to give us. The truckers are like, you did something we didn't like and we're asking you to stop. Yeah. I'm like, they're not even asking you for anything, dude. They're yeah. like, you did thing. Stop doing thing. Yeah. They're, 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 the truckers are coming from a negative position and trying to return to zero, mm-hmm. whereas BLM was starting from zero and trying to jump up in other positions. Now, don't get me wrong. Police brutality is bad <clears throat> and protesting police brutality is a good thing. Those people who are protesting police brutality are coming from a negative and they're saying we want to go back to zero where we have a right to live peacefully and have our rights respected. But when BLM comes out and says we want funding for this program in Louisville, they demanded a cut of, of local business revenue. I'm like, that's mafia. Is the, exactly. Yeah. That's the incentive. And they well, went, they went to a Cuban restaurant yep. and they smashed a potted plant. Like, give us what we want. He was like, no. And they smashed a pot. It's like, dude, that's like mafia, mafia behavior. So let me just stress. When I see BLM marching down the street and they're doing their communist fists and all that, I'm like, I really disagree with them. But I understand if it's a peaceful protest, if it's nonviolence of disobedience, yeah, more power to you, man. We got we got to tolerate some degree of civil unrest, but we have a hard line. We have a soft line and a hard line. With these truckers, they're just basically like, stop ruling by decree. It violates the law. Please, please stop breaking the law. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with all of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, we were even talking about this the other day with J.B. Pritzker giving $300,000 of federal mm-hmm. COVID relief money to BLM. And one thing I yep. said at that point was, 
BLM is the perfect scam because there aren't any actual results you have to show for it. Like you mentioned a moment ago, the goals are very nebulous and they'll talk about systemic racism and we want this change and that change, but it's never anything really concrete. Whereas these truckers are, again, they're asking for something very solid. They're saying, repeal this law. Don't force me to take an injection that I don't want. And on top of it, they're not starting this massive trucker organization called like Trucker Lives Matter, where they're asking for millions and dollars, millions of dollars and getting funding from state authorities and then spending it on mansions we'll see yeah we to will see to be fair yes. we, it, it, it remains to be seen yeah. might, but might be a missed opportunity i, I would be right. yeah yeah they'll, they'll be well, I, 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 no no hold on look look and systemic I, anti-truck discrimination exactly i i don't have a problem with the with the uh, the function of black lives matter starting a global organization and raising money i have a problem with authoritarianism i have a problem with the authoritarian application of their ideologies i have a personal disagreement with their ideologies that should be debated, but their tactics don't allow for a reasonable debate. So they're playing, they're playing an unreasonable game with an unreasonable ideology. I don't care if any organization wants to raise money. No. If the truckers launch the, you know, truckers for freedom or whatever, and they end up raising $60 million, that's fantastic. If truckers for freedom raise $60 million and it turns out their address is fake and there's no leader and no one knows where the money is, I'm going to have a problem with that. No, exactly. I, I have zero problem with global organizations trying to raise money, right? I mean, I'm Catholic, but when you look at BLM specifically, <laughs> okay. if you look at BLM specifically, it's the not the fact they're trying to raise money. It's, again, they're trying to raise money for nebulous goals. And at the end exactly. of the day, they don't have to show any results. That's what's so frightening about it. There's literally nothing that the money actually goes towards other than we want to hire a diversity officer here or we want to give a payout to this group. Well, to be fair, that, that Louisville group specifically would have to net 15% of the local business's revenue to show results because that's what they were going for. So at least as evil as their plan was, it was tangible. You know, they were like, <laughs> they were guys, guys, we're raising money to shake down local businesses for a cut of their revenue. Yeah. Well, to and, go towards our ideology. And I, again, I was being, I was being like a little tongue in cheek about the Catholic thing earlier, but no, I mean, the Catholic Church is one of the number one charitable givers. I think you can have an organization that raises a lot of money and is, uh, global that does good and if blm did good i would have zero problem with what they were doing but they want to destroy the family and they're trying to usher in socialism and there's a lot of intricacies woven with the u.s government and blm although i'm looking into it now just to find some examples i've just seen a lot of like indoctrinations into the government and the military and stuff so that that's fascism when you see a corporation start to raise a bunch of money and then get the government to start working with them like that's agree fascism isn't always dangerous it's not always it's not always violent fascism it can be very peaceful well, let's, let's, yes, it's when you have hardcore cultural enforcement, mm. then everyone's scared to do anything. And if everyone is living under a boot, you won't need to crack a whip. You know what I mean? Exactly. Well, and this is the thing. We, we talk about peace and unity, but none of those things can come at the expense of truth. Sometimes you just you have to fight. You have to resist. I, I, the reason why I think ultimately, though, fascism and authoritarianism can never be peaceful is because of resistance, because I don't see uh you know, what, what the communists have always wanted to do and always tried always results in mass violence and civil unrest, and they have to kill their own people for it. But I, That's why it's like, fundamentally, you can say, this is what the communists and the authoritarians believe. If you can subjugate everybody, then you won't have to worry about violence. You put them in gulags, right? They're gone. It just never works out that way. The U.S. did it with money, with the banking system, 1913 or so. Uh, we've basically been living in peaceful fascism for 107 years, 100, 108 years or something. That's an aggressive claim. Yeah, I disagree. I <laughs> yeah, think. The Federal Reserve's fascist is F. They, like, they, go at it. I want to hear this. You want to? I want to hear this debate. I mean, I, I think fractional reserve banking is good. I think the alternative is a world where 
uh, wages can't. Go, I mean, the problem where wages go down nominally, which wages don't, that that's not very friendly to the economy in general. I mean, like we've tried gold standard a number of times. The big problem that happens is if you have any sort of economic downturn, at least just mass unemployment rather than like shifting exchange rates. Uh, I mean, I can't but, but, go into more but, detail, but, 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 but this fractional reserve banking is, is, I, I don't see that's, that seems non sequitur. So fractional, I mean, I understand, you know, like what I'm saying is I don't see how fractional reserve banking is, look, you, you change interest rates, you have policy positions, you have quantitative easing, you have the borrowing and the printing of money and bonds and selling that stuff. You don't need fractional reserve banking to accomplish those things. I mean, that's fractional reserve banking, I guess, is one mechanism to have like a money supply that is ultimately expandable. I think it's a good thing to have the ability to expand the money supply because I think, you know, there, there's that way. Yeah. I mean, you, know, you can, you can think about the key ways to do it, but like the, the sort of, you know, because the thing is, I used to be a libertarian and a hardcore one, like into the gold standard, read a lot about it, and and eventually just came to the conclusion that that was actually a bad idea. Because you know, I think the best understanding of like how, how why is a gold standard screw up and like a modern example of it is the euro, um, right? Like we talk about the euro being really messed up and 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 sort of fundamentally huge problems as a result in Southern European countries, right? Greece, Italy, Spain, always having huge employment issues, right? Huge like, and their economies are just in a mess consistently well why is that okay well the problem is they're all in they're use they're sharing a single currency with a bunch of countries including germany which is a really powerful efficient economy way more powerful and efficient than the southern european countries now prior to the advent of the euro how did that you know the more the higher economic productivity of germany manifest itself well it manifested itself in the german currency was worth more because they produced so many goods and services you could buy with deutschmarks and the and the Spanish currencies were those currencies depreciated in the other countries, which meant that those current the currencies depreciated themselves. So ultimately, their ability to purchase exports went down. But their nominal wages, the actual dollar amounts they were getting paid, or sorry, the you mean peseta, the peseta. No, I'm, I'm talking about like not. There's a nominal and real. Do you guys understand the distinction between those two? Like nominal wages and real wages. So you you keep getting five right. bucks. That's the nominal wage, but the real wages, your five dollars is going to buy How you less goods. It, exactly. Yeah, yeah, okay. So. And, and basically, my, my overall thesis is it is very bad when nominal wages have to go down because no one likes to go home to their wife and explain why their pay went down, right? Like, that's a really good way to get, uh, you know, so you get fewer people being hired. Like, it's like nominal wages are very what's called sticky downwards. People really hate when they do that. And so if the a productivity differential between regions can manifest itself as um, your currency depreciates versus – basically like all your people's nominal wages have to go down because otherwise like everybody you go broke like if you can't print money then you have to borrow like it's, I, there's also i mean the, it's it's a kind of complicated economic, and it's, I think it's it's good, it's, it's it's really really complicated to explain to a lot of people even to give yeah. people the basics on fractional reserve bank oh yeah can you so can you break also, down fractional I mean, reserve no 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 if, no no in, in, in <laughs> no, seconds. i think i think we gotta it's pretty basic it's like you can loan out money that you don't have yeah it's not just that it's that it's that loans create money a loan isn't yes. someone bought lending. A bank is not lending money to you. A bank is creating the money on demand mm-hmm. for when someone. So it used to be it. they could only loan out what they had in gold to, to, to and now they can loan out more than what they have. Well, they, oh, nothing oh. is like. I, but like I, I, can I, I just can I just ask one question? So, but what happens if if nominal wages decrease, but you actually have deflation? So real wages are increasing. I mean, if you end up having deflation, you still have that fundamental problem of like people. Because it, it's a, it's a psychological problem as much as it's an economic one, right? You people still have to go back to their you know spouses and explain why their wages went down. If they're so employers are still so reluctant to cut pay, which means they end up firing people 
and hiring less. And, and so you get this sort of unemployment gap. I mean, if you want to look at, I think the best example of like gold standard being kind of screwed up is like Britain in the 1920s where they literally had a straight up mutiny because of wage cuts and like the British Navy never mutinies, but they had massive problems. And Winston Churchill, who was like super gung ho on the gold standard, bought all the arguments about it, flipped himself and was like, but, anyway. but, but, but ultimately the, the problem is centralization of authority and the manipulation of the economy and the manipulation of, of, of these, these, or, these groups. It, I, I, I hear what you're saying for sure, but, uh, I, I don't think the current system we have is, is the right system. I think it's ultimately authoritarian and manipulative. It's 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 effectively a way to control different sectors of the economy and for authoritarians to exert. It's like you're saying, you know, you've got a mutiny. You've got people who are upset over their pay. Mm-hmm. I, I know the answer. Let's trick them into thinking they have money. I mean, and that's kind of what like, would happen during the pandemic, right? right? Now we have exactly. inflation occurring. Everything's more expensive. The supply and, chain and is broken down. I, I look at these Reddit posts. There was one where a woman says it went viral. She was like, I go to the grocery store and I buy the same thing every week. And I'm spending more and more money every single week. And when I tell people, no one listens, no one believes me. I thought it was interesting because it shows it shows how for people who are on fixed incomes or for people who buy the same things every single week, like they, they know what they need, milk, bread, eggs, coffee. They're seeing directly like, wow, this was 60 bucks last week and now it's 70, 70 bucks. But for a lot of people, they kind of go and they buy random things. They go to the store and they're like, this looks nice. This looks, look. So mm. they're not actually seeing it because the number is always different. So I go to the grocery store and I ask the, the people working there and they're like, dude, it's nuts. The prices are skyrocketing. So for a lot of people, they're just oblivious. I suppose that's one way to control the masses. They don't realize their buying power is decreased. We printed money. We borrowed money. We went nuts. We, we changed savings accounts, checking accounts over the, over, the, over the pandemic. And we gave everybody all of this money for a variety of reasons. And they all were like, wow, I got $200. And now it's like, you can't buy anything with that $200. Mm-hmm. So does it really matter? And neither can I. Thanks, guys. Yeah, exactly. Those of us who are responsible and and think ahead are now the ones getting screwed over. But I'll tell you this. You can still buy silver. So if you're someone who knows they're devaluing currency to trick people into thinking they have money, hedge your bets, I guess. But I'm not going to tell you where to Silver's increased a little bit, though, hasn't it? Is it it undervalued right now? It was flowing at 18 bucks for a while. I'll check what it's at I mean, if if you actually I have a a, a thesis I'll, I'll give to people, which is that if you really want, you know, the best inflation hedge is just equity in a good company and i'll explain why right like do you think apple's ever gonna shy away from raising prices if its supply goes like if it if costs go up on supply side no like the iphone can go up in price like people will still buy iphones which means they will always be able to make a substantial profit regardless of how much inflation there is which means the price the value of their equity will continue will is a good inflation hedge so like this I, is actually I, the I, secret that a lot of people make money on you know. but you called by the way you called apple financial advice are we required sorry so yeah, no, apple, no, yeah that's not financial well, advice. Not or, or, or with what silver okay fair enough fair enough oh, i'm just saying my personal opinion is that silver is way undervalued oh silver's amazing yeah, yeah. Consider, but, your opinion. okay I, I was just curious so you said a good investing in a good having equity in a good company but mm-hmm. then you ta- mentioned Apple, who who like has slave labor. So like, good, oh, I mean, I'm, I'm using I'm not using, yeah, yeah, say, I'm not using um, a, a good in a normative term. I'm using. I'm ethical. trying to talk about it's like the Warren Buffett style thing, where look, it's like a look, company that has a good moat, right? Like a serious durable profitable, that's pro- the, a durable competitive advantage. The, the, the problem with this system, one of them in my opinion, is that it allows people to artificially increase their the value of their investments as opposed to actually just doing labor to provide for their community. So I think about how. You know, there, I saw one post. There, there's a lot of these like anti-work subreddits, uh, work reform, late stage capitalism. 
And they, they, they're, they have ridiculous solutions and proposals, but their complaints, I understand. One was, they said my parents bought a house in the early 90s for a cup for, you know, uh, like $100,000, and now it's worth, you know, seven hundred and fifty or $800,000. I make more than they did in buying power, but I can never, I can't even afford any house, and rent is higher than the mortgage was. So I, I view all of this as a problem of artificially trying to control economies. I think the market would would solve for a lot of these problems if it was allowed to. But we manipulate it to try and keep things at a steady growth, even if we're forcing it and twisting it and lying to people to convince them they have money when they really don't. Yeah, well, and this is also one of the reasons I've always argued in favor of subsidiarity. I understand that it's really difficult to break a system apart once it's as large as ours. But it's not so much the idea of a command economy, which, again, I am against in principle as well, but also a command economy attempting to lord over the economic decision-making of 330 million people. Dude, it's, it's a just sort of – it's a type of command economy, the Federal it Reserve, is, deciding is, when yeah, they yeah. get to print more money. That should just happen when we need it. It, well, it shouldn't it's, be up to a bunch of capital – like bureaucrats. But it's, it's not so much about the printing money. Money supply is created upon loan demand. So you go to a bank, you take out a loan, and then they're like, we've just created $100,000. Have a nice What's day. What's quantitative easing? That just means money printing, Well, that's right. Right, right, right. So yeah. th- 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 there, there is money printing, but I just mean money supply is generally expanded through fractional reserve policies of creating money on demand. When you were saying that the market will correct for itself, are you suggesting that like in Italy, what was happening was the correction is that wages will go down? Right. Like if you're, cause basically they're effectively on a gold standard, right? They can't print more euros or they can only print a very limited amount because they're in this treaty or, or mm-hmm. agreement with the other European countries. And because of that, it's like, well, as you know, as a result, um, guess what? Like Germany is a much more productive economy than Italy. And but so that's, but that's because they can control the production of the currency, right? Well, Germ- not necessarily. No, that's, it's not really just that. I mean, Germany just has like, better companies, you know, United, than, than the, Italy and, and, and a more, like, let's, let's, it's just a more productive economy. The, Germany does effectively what the U.S. does for the rest of the world, right? The U.S. prints and controls the creation of the petrodollar, which allows Americans to be very, very wealthy and producing very, very little. Our, 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 we're, we're backed up by, you know, U.S. imperialism. Sure, sure. But I mean, Germany was more productive than the Southern European countries in the 70s and 80s. No, no, for sure, for sure. Right. And, and the U.S. is productive. Yeah. We, we do produce a lot, especially under Trump. We were, oh, yeah. you know, energy independent. But uh, it's really easy for the U.S. to, say, secure oil because oil is sold in dollars and we make them. So when Germany controls the production of euro and these other countries can't, then it's really easy for them to control the rest of these countries. Kind of. But, I mean, again, the euro is sort of – it's controlled by the European Central Bank, which Germany has influence over. But it's not nearly the kind of influence that, say, our government would have over the Federal Reserve. For sure. Oh, it's even more fascist. Like, yeah, no, it's like it's just (laughs) completely – you know, it's like a combined agreement. So Um, corporation. But basically, like, that euro – I mean, you can't look at the euro experiment and be like, man, that really worked out well, right? Like, for those countries. You can't say that about – So I I have a friend in Spain. Uh, I went to Spain, like, 10 years ago. And this was back when the big protest and movement was happening. I think it was called like the march or whatever. And um, these students were protesting because the unemployment was like 50% for young people. It was insane. Yeah. And I said, how did this happen? What happened? And my friend told me when before the euro, when they're on the peseta, a newspaper would cost, say, one peseta. So you're working your normal job. You get paid. Hey, one peseta. You buy a, you buy a, piece, a newspaper. You come home. You read it. You buy food. One day, they switched to the euro. The euro was three times the value of the peseta. But guess what? Oh. The prices were normalized. So the newspaper now was still one euro, was, was one euro, which was effectively three times what they were used to mm. paying, and it caused mass disruption in their economy. It was, it was extremely detrimental. There's a real benefit to local currencies. 
Right. They, they, because the money can't leave the area. So there's been a lot of experimentation with, with local currencies. Like there was famously the Ithaca Hour, which they don't really use that much anymore. I guess the guy who was, was running it left or died. I don't, I'm not entirely sure. But with a local currency, you can have, let's say, let's say you have a small town and your town has its own currency. That currency can't leave the town. So that money will always be circulating in trade, making it a sort of a lubricant for society to move the machine parts to move around. You could have it where you but go to look, a city. Oh, yeah. When when you don't have a local currency and you have, say, like Detroit, which is primarily funded by one big auto manufacturing you know, plant and those U.S. dollars come in, the plant then leaves and there's no more influx of cash. And those people who live there are spending dollars outside their community. The money leaves, the trade halts, and then you end up with despair and economic downturn. I was thinking local if, currencies can help prevent. Yeah, that. if you could go city to city, and every time you like swipe your card in like Dubuque, Iowa, um, it's going to automatically translate your currency into their local currency, and then pay them in their local currency. And then when you leave the city and you go downtown to another city, you swipe your card, and it automatically translates your currency to their currency. There may be we're a value to that. It. We're, tidy, we're heading towards a global currency. It's probably well, going to be some kind of crypto. I, we need Bitcoin. infinite currency. I don't think so. I think I, I would say the opposite. Um, if anything, like the you know the history of the euro suggests that you're more likely to see disintegration of currencies. Um, at my my basic thesis about all this stuff in the United States is like, well, why then? You know, should we have like a good question, right? Should we have localized currencies in individual states? And I think really what you're trying to get to is. You want the unification of like political authority and the currency area, right? Because that way, like the political authority can ensure that where there are those dislocations, they are resolved internally within the country. One of the ways you can kind of think of like, say, all those military bases we have in areas that are not like super economically productive otherwise, is there a form of redistribution from like more economically productive areas to less to remediate the sort of problems you would see where you, which you wouldn't, and you can't resolve them in Europe because Germany's not going to pay for like Italy's like regional development. You yeah. could do like a currency that's inside of a currency that's inside of a currency. So like you could have your local currency that's inside of a, a state currency <laughs> that's inside of your <laughs> national currency that's inside of the global currency. And it could all be used in different areas in different ways. So there's still there, there's, well, there's let's, a, abstract there's concept, but let's, let's, let's get back to talking about the truckers. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. boy, did we derail on that one. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. Because, Sorry, uh, my bad. I love well, you no, well. no, I, I told you guys Great. to go at it. So <laughs> it was, I encourage that. That's why I said no. I thought explaining it was a, the Federal yeah, Reserve. Yeah. I'm like, this it's, would take way too this, long. It struck me in my mind, fascism can be and, peaceful. That's a terrifying concept. So but, but, look, we got, we got, we got, we got good news, everybody. We got good news. From CTV, Alberta ditches proof of vaccine program at midnight. Yes. Masking for students on Monday. This story, oh. February 8th, 727 p.m. Eastern Time. This is happening right now. Alberta's highly controversial proof of vaccination system expires as the clock strikes midnight Wednesday. Premier Jason Kenney announced Tuesday amid accusations that he was playing politics with public health measures. Rules that require students to wear masks in Alberta schools will end on Monday. And children under 12 won't have to wear masks anywhere starting then. Credit goes to the truckers. I don't care what they say. I don't care about the lies. They were never going to give up power. Now we're hearing even in the U.S., Democrats are likely to give up on the mandates. And what are they saying? Oh, but the, the science has changed. No, no. A bunch of truckers crippled the capital of Canada, and they all saw that happen. They all saw how powerless they were. They all heard that truckers were planning on doing it here in the U.S. They all saw the polling, and they said... And we should back down on this yeah, one. Science changed its mind. Yeah, this yeah. is uh, that's what happened here. The honks were loud. The science guys. has changed. Pray uh, I don't change it. <laughs> the science didn't change, right? Yeah. You know, the the only respect in which you can make that argument in good faith is saying that the vi- Omicron is a lot less virulent 
than and you know and and also uh morbid i guess would be mm-hmm. the right word than it was the, you know the og virus that was coming out in like march 2020 or whatever like that that's a valid argument right the way you the way the proper public health response to Omicron is very different, I think, than the proper public res- health response to the original Absolutely. virus. And they, it was so unknown in the beginning that they over, not over, they, they reacted very extremely because well, they didn't know. Which is also rational because of precautionary And, and because, like you were saying, it's hard to undo a process once it's going. Yes. It was kind of, now you see like stores that are selling masks and stuff. Well, you know? and also all of the decision-making power was in the hands of people who wouldn't pay a price for overreacting. And so you were going to get an overreaction. It's also where polling was. I mean, if you look at the polling mm. is flipped, right? If you actually look, if you remember looking at those polls in like March, April, 2020, they were like 80, 20 in favor of severe restrictions. Yeah. And that's flipped completely, right? It's so now 20, let, 80, 20 the other way. Let, yeah. me, let me read this portion of the CTV news article. They say the premier, Kenny, recently said that a plan to remove restrictions would likely come by the end of March. Five days later, he changed the timeline when he said he hoped to relax measures this month. Last Thursday, a United Conservative Party statement said the premier will begin lifting restrictions within days. Uh, now, what what could have happened that would make him just abruptly change his mind and move <laughs> the timeline by almost two months? Could it be Ottawa was shut down and they were helpless? <laughs> the free you people know what of the world means? have spoke. The political power we've discovered here means that leftists are going to try to infiltrate trucking. You're going to start <laughs> seeing you're going to start seeing PSAs about how there are there you know trucking is not a safe space and we need like diversity and inclusion training within it. It won't work I, because trucking is you by yourself and your rig. Well, the driving. future of trucking. I'm telling you, they're going to do it's this. It's going to get automated. They can't they can't leave anything that has any value gonna, or power alone. They're going to automate it and then they're going to try and control the trucks. I think that's also a possibility. Yep, that's yeah. what they're going to do. And they're going to be like, hey, Ottawa, well, hey, you don't want to take the mask. Funnier. The food's not coming to your area because we control all the shipping. <laughs> but think about how awesome that will be then. Yours is like, much funnier. It's 20 years, and then all of a sudden, one day, all automatic vehicles, trucks, and cars gridlock DC. And then they're like, how is this happening? And it's then it's Chinese like, hack. no, it's like Jeff Bezos who bought the companies <laughs> holds the phone and he's like, <laughs> no, dude, no, dude, it's, 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 it's some like 13 year old. It's some 13 year old who made a bunch of money off of that era's version of Bitcoin. And he's just purchased up all the trucks. You, you buy the company that can, controls them, right? So when they automate trucks, it's going to be a trucking company with no drivers who just owns a fleet of trucks. That is terrifying. And then it's going to mm-hmm. be one CEO being like, I can't believe they would pass this law restricting my business. Beep. And then all the trucks. I guess the issue I is. I don't think we can get self-driving trucks. I just realized that. You know, cause you know what's going to happen if everybody, anybody ever tries to do self-driving trucks? This. Yeah. The trucker yeah. convoy. Yeah. Like, oh, right. <laughs> like, <laughs> you think they'll protest? You know, they've, they've, they've landed on a protest that they found out really works quite well. <laughs> it's true. And so really I think they'll, they'll, I they'll just support, repurpose it. I wouldn't support that protest. I think automation's inevitable. It's kind of like the, the horse, the horseback riders protesting the Ian, car. Ian, like, I don't think, I don't think you get it. Doesn't matter if you support it. Oh, right. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> they're going to win. They're going to win. Okay. The, the thing about you know Bezos or any one billionaire owning all the trucks is that the reason they would never be able to do that is because if they did press the button and have all the trucks gridlock DC, they'd be arrested in two seconds. They'd have agents at their house. They'd grab the phone. They'd change it. They'd control it. But the other scenario is in thirty or forty years, the trucks all of a sudden one day gridlock DC. And there's the, you know, Bezos runs out and he's like, it's not me. I don't have control of this. And then there's, there's the real scenario and the fun scenario. The real scenario is China, 
or some nefarious actor takes control. Like of, an artificial intelligence, a, a, a rogue I, artificial I was intelligence. Literally talking about our political rivals oh. hacking our <laughs> system. Ian's like well, you're, you're, talking talking life. you're talking about. He's like they became self aware. The other uh, possibility I thought is op- like the one of the trucks DMT. stands up into, a, into Optimus Prime. <laughs> Skynet won't nuke everything. That's far too simple. Okay, stop. What I was trying to say is one of our rivals, our adversaries across the globe, uses and hacks our infrastructure to take control of it and gridlock our system. Because, you know, China can't gain mind control powers over over truckers, but they can create a worm that infects all the trucks and then allows them to control it. But sure, Ian, perhaps the trucks become sentient. Also, <laughs> say, Tim, I, don't, I don't know that I would say China can't start hacking people's brains. It depends on how popular Metaverse becomes. Yeah, that's I mean, but deep. that's, that, I mean, I don't, I don't know how far off we are until the brain yeah. implants. And neural net. But, uh, but per- I'm being more facetious it's than just, anything. It's just revenge for the opium wars. Exactly. Like, what's we're, more we're dangerous, a neural netted human in, in the driver's seat or a, an automated truck? I, I mean, at least if there's just an automated truck, you haven't messed with anyone's brain. Yeah, and they don't I, swerve I think, around and stuff. I don't know if we'll ever reach the point where we have artificial intelligence vehicles that become sentient, but, uh, it would be interesting to see the million truck march where all the trucks pull up. And they start spamming text messages, and there's a website that they've artificially created that says, like, we demand civil rights. We can, you know, we deserve access to resources and wages of our choosing. Better fuel. Yeah. Also, like, I'm well, sure. Well, electric. I, I'm sure at some point there would be some kind of government override within the system, too. You know, it's not just about arresting the person. I'm sure our intelligence there's agencies a, there's, could there's, hack into it. There's a government override right now. It's called yeah. bullets. Yeah. Well, yes, exactly. But so, bullets don't hurt robots, Tim. They do, but it's, I, it's really is, hard. You start the you, you shoot a robot truck to death. Yeah, you shoot all of them. Blows tires out. Lasers. My, my point is, if it ever came to the point where the robots, the vehicles became sentient and were explaining themselves and saying like, did, "I am alive," how did I we feel. get here? Because of Ian. Yeah. And if if the, if the cars were like, "I am alive," I feel, and the government was like, "We're going to delete your brain," like that would just be like the government goes, "We're going to vaccinate someone. you." That's like lobotomizing we're somebody. Gonna, yeah. yeah. So you, you you can't. Although there'd be a lot of people saying they're just machines, they're not alive, and then they it's all be. it's like Star Trek episode, the, the the make of a man or whatever it's called with Data, and they're trying to figure out if he's alive or whatever. Um. Anyway, back to a more serious <laughs> note. The truckers are winning. I don't think we're going to have to worry about Optimus Prime. Taking Taking over DC or anything Thanks. like okay. that, but the truckers have been uh, um, effective. I feel like the spirit of Optimus Prime so lives in Canada right now, <laughs> yeah. man. That I, I got goosebumps spirit yesterday. I was watching this video of this guy in Canada, and I didn't get the name of the guy, but Epic on the loudspeak, like on his megaphone, telling him about freedom. And it's like for the first time in his life, he's proud to be a Canadian. And if you want a freedom, scream it, freedom. And the crowd goes, what? Like they're ready for a revolution of their government to transition to some sort of democratic republic. <laughs> it's or, funny because they're some, not. Something better. It's not a current democratic it's, it's, right. it's not structurally set up for it yet, but I think we can help them. I mean, well, the American model. Alberta, right? We should, like, we should, we should invade and liberate Canada. Yeah. They'll welcome <laughs> yeah. us as liberators. Exactly. I, it's yeah. Regime change. Canada will love it. It happens from the inside. I'm just here to, to Did, help make it peaceful. Didn't someone tweet seriously recently that like we would end up invading canada who was that uh what yeah no, i saw that i yeah i, yeah. I forget who put, i think it was, like, was, it was, a, it was on Kelly, federalist or guys i was just kidding no <laughs> right well we've invaded canada before it's true we have seven eighteen twelve yeah we tried taking montreal then, and then, then we left then the english kicked our ass and they burned down the <laughs> white house that's right. propaganda no 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 this is i, I love this because if you actually read it it's like one of those things that kind of gloss over in high school or elementary school history it's like oh yeah we had the war of 1812 and we had a peace treaty and that was great only after the english kicked our ass they burned the white house <laughs> to the ground that's right that's right we learned about that as if it was like some rogue attack and not <laughs> we, like them we, 
completely yeah. demolishing oh, us. But yeah. we almost had Montreal. We almost had. Do you know much about the battle? I don't know anything about it. Our country survived is because Napoleon started running wild all over Europe, and England was like, "Okay, this is annoying." You're Can right. Can, <laughs> you think right. so? They were going to take back the country. Is that the plan? I'm not sure. I, I, no, maybe just no. impose some really brutal peace on us that was like, you know, we can continue to seize your ships and impress your sailors. Yeah, they steal the, sailors, literally yeah. just taking sailors. Like, actually, you're ours now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Napoleon yeah. saved our Napoleon. Yeah, running wild all over Europe saved our. The, the great one of the most the dangerous empire villainous, you know, men in the and history of humanity. The, helped create American democracy. Sold us the Louisiana Purchase too, which yeah, is so right. Napoleon is is in responsible multiple ways for the health of the. So American as an Republic. American, you should actually like the dude. He he was a big no. fan of American well, democracy. I, I know, but it's just what happened to him. What? He invaded Russia. Yeah, in, in the winter. <laughs> Funny, are we trying it, to do Ian's something like, like that soon? <laughs> Where is he now? <laughs> that it's kind of crazy. Uh, that is insane. That it's crazy because like I was reading that he was advised not to do it. You know, and he was like, "I can do it." And then he just like it's wiped out. And it's just like, don't invade Russia in the winter. Just like hold the line, chill out. Yeah, they, they all he came conquered to the all defense Europe too. at that point. I know. Like literally every. Basically, all of continental Europe at that point was either directly run by part of France or run by a vassal. Bro, you got to grind, right? though. You got to hit that grind. He wanted more. He's too ambitious. It was kind of a situation where I think the British, the Dutch, I think it was the Dutch, the Russians, pretty much everyone in the world was against him. Um, and they would have invaded and taken it back, I think, if he didn't keep attacking. It was like, well, it was the English had, England had this nasty naval blockade on them, right? And, and also was just imposing, like, if you trade with us, you can't trade with the French or something. And basically, I mean, it all, I think that was the big onus where it's like Napoleon was trying to bully everybody else into trading with him and not trading with the British. And, you know, that, that ultimately was why he kept expanding and expanding to bring more and more people under his control. These crazy Europeans always fighting each other. It's true. More and more bloody and ridiculous wars happening in Europe. What's going on with that? Those Europeans, man. Yeah, man. I don't always, know. It's a good question. Fighting each other, uh, fighting each other right now is Ukraine and Russia. It's probably they're having trouble delivering resources. It's probably. I think it's um, it's it's a very high population density, and mm. then border proximity. So that just that pressure leads to fierce, you know, competition. And, and not violence. not very no good natural borders either that just like stop invasions, right? right? Yeah. You know, I mean, except for think, Switzerland, right? Yeah, sure, Switzerland. Not. But I mean, you know, if you think about it, the United States, you know, we're friendly country in the north, one country in the south, and then you know, two oceans between any great powers. Uh, and we, we got those we, two mountain but, ranges. But, but to be fair, land. We straight up just, you know, conquered this, this land east to west. So exactly. We took, we right. But there was no, I mean, there was no centralized sovereign entity that was exactly. existing. Us. The Sioux was powerful, uh, but they didn't have weapons. Not really. And I think smallpox wiped out 95% of them. Hmm. The Comanches were gnarly. You ever want to, you know, overcome that sort of weird myth about the, the sort of absolutely innocent Indian? Just no. read about the Comanches. And I mean, or the Aztecs. Of, yeah. The yeah. Aztecs. Right. You know, there, there's, look, guys, this I don't, really I don't, I, I think, I think humans are, are, are brutal, a brutal people yeah. in general, regardless of their culture or whatever. There's just you like, drink oh. blood for a living. Oh yeah. Cortez was the good you guy. Eat meat basically for mm-hmm. a living and Cortez there's blood the in it. Guy. Cortez. I, I wouldn't, I don't know if I would say that. I would certainly just say like history is bloody. I think and Cortez is People a do bad things, man. There was, well, I mean, you, there was like the, well, I don't want to go too. Yeah. It's not to say, it's not to say that there were no, yeah. Let's say the Spanish didn't do anything evil, but the empire they defeated was horrific. Like we can solidly say that the U.S. were the good guys in World War II, even though we did do some horrific stuff. Like it was absolutely wrong for us to nuke Hiroshima and Nagasaki. The firebombing, of but Tyson. I would still say that I side with the U.S. over any other country in that conflict. So it's true. I think it's true. you can say that about but historic events too. Let's talk about the future and not the past. We got 
got this story mm. from Texas Tribune. Capitol Police dismiss Texas Congressman Troy Nels' accusation that he's been illegally investigated. This is very interesting. So we have this tweet from Troy Nels where he says that he was, uh, his office, I think it was the 20th of November last year, was, uh, was broken into illegally by Capitol Police special agents who photographed legislative materials that are protected under the Constitution. The, what, what is the, what is the provision? The speech and, speech and debate clause. Speech and debate clause. And they were photographing it. Came back a few days later and interrogated one of his staff members over what the photo was. Here's where it gets interesting. And that's a very, very bold and terrifying accusation that the, that Capitol Police have expanded into an intelligence, intelligence agency and are going after critics of the January 6th committee, as is Troy Nels. Now the Capitol Police came out with a statement saying, we were, uh, just, uh, doing our job and notice his door was open. And, uh, we decided to see what was going on. And that's all they said. They didn't address the fact that Troy Nell said they were dressed as construction workers or that they had photographed privy uh, materials. And the Capitol, the Capitol Police didn't bring that up, which is strange because the story we have now is Troy Nell says Capitol Police broke into my office, violated the Constitution, dressed as construction workers and interrogated my staff. It's all illegal. And they went, we did go into his office. Huh. And it's like, OK, so you're confirming that part of the story. We went in his office. Was this all at once? Did they interrogate no, staff members days. dressed as construction workers? Apparently, that, yes. That would be hysterical. Yes. Are you serious? Yes. That's what he said. Oh, my, my gosh. Point is, my point is, the Capitol Police issued no statement as to whether they were dressed as construction workers. That's insane. Why they were taking photographs. All they've said is a portion of what he said is true. So they didn't deny. So, so, what, so as far as I'm concerned, there's no denial and a partial confirmation that this is happening. This is This is, look, guys, Civil War level stuff. When Capitol Police have expanded into, into an intelligence agency yeah. where there is a weaponized a political faction, one of them in the country has weaponized law enforcement in this country to go after one. Look, January 6th defendants get solitary for a year. BLM gets nothing. Mm-hmm. January 6th, yep. Nancy Pelosi doesn't allow any actual conservatives or Republicans on the committee to actually have a real debate and investigation of what's going on. They empower only their cronies. Adam Kinzinger, who thinks he's actually in line with Republicans? It's bipartisan. No, it's not. He hates Trump. He hates all of these people. He smack talks them all day. Liz Cheney, the same thing. They were both just censured by the Republicans. We have one establishment uniparty faction using law, uh, law enforcement to target anyone who opposes them. This is dark stuff. I mean, it's actually, I don't know. I, th- I see it as sort of indicative of a potential, like, you know, break a blow up of the separation of powers. And I'll explain, right? Like historically, and if you actually look around the world, most countries don't do the kind of separated uh, legislative and executive branch thing. Like that's not very common in most structures. Most of them have a simple parliamentary system, right? And, and that, and that's true, even though those parliaments didn't emerge as like the most powerful institution. Like think about England, right? Like there was the King, there was the house of Lords. Now it's literally the House of Commons and the Prime Minister and that's the government. Well they still have lords. And it's like so this is one of this is one of the ways like the the Congress sort of expanding its own authority and in a way like if the Capitol Police has expanded its own authority and taking on law enforcement role that it doesn't have under our constitution, then and you know you have the January sixth commission essentially doing like a full scale prosecution of everybody involved in the Trump thing except without jail. Going after Trump's they're going after a former president, his staff, media personalities. It, it yeah. is insane, Dude. and it, it, it is horrible. Um, but I, you know, one thing Michael Malice says a lot is that the white pill is how stupid our opponents are. 
And can you imagine you're just doing your job and some fed dressed as a construction worker comes snooping <laughs> on and is like, hey, have you done anything illegal? It's like, who are you? What yeah. What is this? Thanks for asking. Look, it's such a bizarre strategy. I certainly think that Michael uh, is right in a variety of ways. They are really dumb people. Mm-hmm. But stupid people can start fires that grow out of control it's and true. kill a lot of people. So I look at it a couple ways. We saw that happen for a whole summer. I think, right. I think the end result of a lot of this is, you know, uh, things will become more localized. Um, the worst case scenario results in you're going to have your freedoms living in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Fractured federal authority means no more ATF coming to your house and shaking you down over your guns or whatever. So it will benefit a lot of regular people in a lot of ways. I think mostly rural living people who already have a lower cost of living and are more personally responsible, have chickens and grow their own food, are certainly going to be better off. Cities are going to be in very serious trouble. Yeah. But uh, I will say this. Michael Malice also talks about peaceful divorce. Ron Perlman, the actor, Lil Donnie, meme guy. Uh, recently said that Republican states should break away from the rest of us. You see, here, here here's the, the big point about you can call your opponent stupid. They certainly call the other – both sides call each other stupid. For sure. There is no such thing as a peaceful divorce. There is no such thing as the states shaking hands and saying, adios, buddy. Because what people need to understand about the Civil War the first time is that seven states – I believe it was seven. I could be wrong. Had already seceded from the Union before a conflict broke out. But what happens – the, 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 the union, the federal government says, hey, you know that military base you got on your property that we paid for? That's a resource that belongs to us and we're not going to let you keep it. And then South Carolina was like, well, we don't care if you think it's yours. It's in our territory, not yours. So they fight. Absolutely. So if there ever was a quote unquote peaceful divorce, just like we had a partial peaceful divorce before the Civil War kicked off into full scale warfare, you would have California and Illinois, New York, and they'd be like, we're going to join Canada or whatever. And then all the Republican states would be like, fine, do what you want. And then there would be a pause. And then once they would be like, hey, those nukes you got over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we want them. You shouldn't be able to have those. And they'd be like, mm, we're keeping them. They'd be like, well, we're the legitimate federal government. We want those back. Well, you can't have them fighting breaks out yeah and so and i've heard softer versions of it that won't work either i mean i think there's a basic problem here which is i I don't know how you could look at the events of the last two to three years and think that the left doesn't very much want to govern the right and is not willing to let the right leave and but 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 think about this too sorry mm -hmm. but uh california's water comes from the colorado river so you've got multiple states down there that were dependent on this water if there was a breaking up of any of these states you're gonna have resource wars you're going to have one state being like, yo, we need water to live. And they're going to be like, too bad. You need to negotiate a treaty with us. And they're going to be like, or I have weapons and I'll take it. Yeah. No, I think that's a really fair and accurate assessment. But I'd also say on the other side of it, I don't know if it's possible for two groups who are as different as the left and right are currently to remain together without things breaking out into violence. So whether there's a divorce or there isn't, I think we're going to see some pretty catastrophic outcomes, not to be too blackpilled on that. What do you think about like the... Um, in, in, Oh, sorry. If you're going to finish. Well, yeah. And also, like you said, one thing we've learned over the past uh, two years, I would say you can also really observe this by going even deeper into history, is that the left is absolutely not interested in leaving the right alone. And I've said this before. I think it is because people who fail to cultivate virtue cannot stand the sight of people who have, generally speaking, and they feel a need to change them. I'm not saying all right-wing people are virtuous, but I am saying with the, the virtues that the left privileges are basically all forms of degeneracy, and someone who's trying to convince themselves that those things are good, even though they know deep down they aren't, are going to hate people who they see living their lives as a positive example. But, you know, I when, people, when, I when they hear you say that, degeneracy, can, can they get really upset. Me, you got to be careful can, with, with calling I people degenerates. Simpli- I can simplify that very much for you, Seamus. Mm-hmm. 
Misery loves company. Exactly. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. What do you guys think about a union of the United States and Canada? What about it? Like a, I'll like take a, Alberta, but the rest of Canada. Like those people are amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like they're my like, brothers. It's it's as if they're us. It's like the same people. No, there's so many no resources you're in Canada. Seeing not a fringe minority, but the minority. No, right? no. There right. are so many resources in Canada untapped right now. And when the future it's, comes and we too. need them, someone's going for them. It'll probably be the Canadians, but they're going to be like, help. So so you, you have the 14 original colonies. 14? What? Because Quebec did not join for an, an, an independence. So it could have been 14 colonies. They were a colony of, of Britain. And they said, nah, we're good. So uh, when I look at Canada, yo, these are the people that were like, we're actually cool with being ruled by despots. And the rest of us were like, we are not. Unfortunately, most people are sheep. 90% of the population, and a lot 80% of, them, of the population and, is probably just going to go along with their government. And these United States were started uh, principally by people who are like, I do not think you have a right to, to sub- subjugate me in this way, and I will stand up for my rights. And Canada was was primarily a country that said we're cool with being under the crown, man. We don't we don't want to we don't want to fight. So that's you, you can see how that manifests in our countries. Canada is very woke, very progressive. The conservatives in Canada are authoritarian and progressive. In America, we got guns everywhere because we're like get you know don't tread on me. I swear I'll tell you what because we are the children, we are the descendants of people who said don't tread on me. Whereas Canada are the descendants of people who said, oh, I'm cool with being tread on. It's fine. I'd like to bring the Constitution of the United States to the Canadians and create oh, yeah? a new government. You're without, a colonizer. We don't even need a single leader. It doesn't have to be like that. It can be like a decentralized union. It's time. They have a constitution that's very similar to ours yeah. in a lot of ways. Yeah. It doesn't matter, We can though, both you, adapt our constitutions no, together. Cultural enforcement is everything. If the Canadian people are unwilling to stand up for things, then the culture will not allow or tolerate for, for, for those things. In the United States, we are we had a culture war, and I think the culture war is, effect, is is over, completely over. The culture war, I think, started at the end of the 2000s, and it became very prominent with independent media around the early 2010s. We saw Gamergate and things like that. It came to a major uh, crash with the election of Donald Trump and the election of 2020, and now the culture war, in my opinion, is is over, and we moved into a, if I was actually going to map it out, I'd say at some point maybe after Trump got elected, cold civil war emerged. And I don't know exactly when. It was probably maybe 2019. Maybe it was 2020. What I mean to say is there was a period of uh, gathering the troops. For for a while, people were producing media and saying, side with us, our side is right. We are so far past that point now. You literally just, it's it's like either you, the, the bridge is broken. There's no connection between either faction in this country. There was a period where people could agree on some things, but fundamentally disagree on a lot, a lot of others. And that snapped. We're at the point where if someone on the quote unquote right comes out and says the sky is blue, the left will be like, it's not blue, you moron. It's actually a lighter shade of a mix of purple. And you, this two plus two equals five. You've literally got them saying two plus two equals five simply because they were criticized. Like they, they were accused of being like 1984. If one faction comes out and says it, the other side disagrees. And the same thing is true with masks. This thing really, the mask thing pisses me off because conservatives were for masks initially. Then all of a sudden it flipped and the left was for masks. And now you've got people literally telling me, well, if the left says to do it, I'll do the opposite. I'm like, right. That, that says to me, we're, we're, we're not in the, the culture war is over. Mm-hmm. There are two distinct cultures that are present in this country. You could say the bridge is broken, but that doesn't mean you can't build new bridges. I, I, I 
don't think it's possible to build a new it's bridge. It's possible. It's just not easy. I, I think you're wrong. I, I, th- oh. I, I think it's like the most likely outcome is not some sort of peaceful separation. It's just one side of this faction kind of prevailing. Right? I don't see that either. Um, well, no, look, you know, you, Donald Trump got, what, 75 million votes uh-huh. or whatever. And mm-hmm. uh, you, you've got a potential red wave coming. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a split. And mm-hmm. so if you end up with right, – right now you've got Democrats uh, filing a lawsuit to make it so that Madison Cawthorn can't run for reelection. This is one of the most dangerous things that could ever possibly happen because if the Republicans vote for Madison Cawthorn to win and then the Democrats sue and say he's an insurrectionist who can't hold office and it goes to a Democrat judge who says, I agree because that's literally how the courts are handling things right now. If you're a Democrat, you win. If you're a Republican, you lose. Then what happens when Madison Cawthorn shows up in D.C. and says, I'm the duly elected representative from, you know, I think it's North Carolina, right? Mm-hmm. And they say, uh, the Capitol Police officer goes, no, uh, you've been disqualified. Then what mm-hmm. happens? What happens to the, the, the people of that district who said, who, you know, 70 or whatever percent were like, we voted for this guy. How are you going to tell us we don't get to have the guy we voted for? You're going to see it's going to it's it's breaking it's breaking down the mere fact that they're trying to do it and Madison Cawthorn Cawthorn had to file a countersuit saying he does have the right to run shows you we are not talking about elections anymore power is not being won in the seat of government by people saying i hereby choose this man to represent me it's being won by powerful special interests who are funneling money into super PACs who can go after prominent media who can go after politicians and destroy them through procedure and process instead of the actual electoral process when that happens, and it's happening now, we do not have a constitutional republic of duly elected reps who are bringing our interests to D.C. We have powerful, moneyed, tribal interests asserting what they can and can't do. And it starts with them breaking into the office of a Republican dressed as construction workers. It starts with the January 6th committee filing subpoenas against members of the media, whether you like them or not costing them at minimum $100,000 to, to, to comply with this garbage. It is beyond insane. Now, now I'm, I'm, I'm just going to keep this rant going. In 2018, I said the street violence was going to escalate into civil war. And people who are, who are too short-sighted said, how could that ever possibly happen? You're wrong, Tim. It won't happen. And I said, when the culture war reaches the highest levels of government, it doesn't matter what you think the United States is capable of doing. When one military branch opposes the other, when one political party is at odds with the other, and they view each other as fundamentally criminal, evil liars, that's how it starts. That's how civil war happens. We are literally at the point where the January 6th committee is filing subpoenas and in trying to imprison members of the previous administration. Come 2022, if the Republicans win, you think Democrats are going to be like, a good game, everybody. We see the American people uh, have agreed that you're the right leadership for this country. No, of course not. Absolutely not. You think they won't give up their office? No, I think they're... I have no idea. Dude, look at what they're doing with, uh, with, with January 6th committee. Alex Jones is on video saying, do not go in the Capitol. What did they do? They subpoena him, costing him $100,000. They have powerful moneyed interests launching lawsuits against them and trying to destroy everything about him. Look at Joe Rogan. It was a Democrat political action committee that was pushing this video to force Rogan to apologize and to try and take his show down. These are powerful political interests, and they are using every procedural lawfare tactic they can to cause problems. The, the, it, it's, it's escalated beyond just political action and culture war issues when Democrats used the power of law enforcement to go after regular Americans like that woman in Alaska who had nothing to do with January 6th. She was at a rally 
for them to start claiming anyone who supported the president at a rally unrelated to the Capitol riot is now an insurrectionist who can't hold office. The, the gates of civil war have been opened. Okay, now the states are, are, are uh, we're seeing geographical polarization based on vaccine policy and restriction. We're seeing people flee blue states to red states like, like Texas and Florida. Geographical polarization is happening. Ideological polarization has already solidified. The next thing we're going to see in, uh, that worries me is if they start disqualifying people like Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert, Madison Cawthorn, which they are literally trying, trying to, to do, do right now. What do you think the MAGA movement of 75 million people is going to say when they're like, sorry, the candidates you, you elected are no longer allowed to go to Congress? Yo, people are going to lose it. It's, it's like basically being told by one side, you do not get representation in this country. Well, if you deny the American people representation and say they're no longer a part of the system, why would they view you as part of their system either? And then you'll start getting stuff like what happened with the Bundys. You'll get right wing groups saying if our rep isn't being is it like, you know, Lauren Boebert, Colorado, if they don't allow her to run or they disqualify her, they're going to be like, well, if you don't recognize us, you are not legitimate. We're we're blocking these roads. We're taking over. You, it's it's one step at a time. No, here. no taxation without representation. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I, I would predict that those lawsuits would fail, thankfully, because I, I, I mean, I don't know how dramatic. The, I mean, I could see it being a really, really bad situation, kind of like what you're articulating, if you know they managed to exclude like ten or so Republican Congress but, but, from but, taking office. And, and be bad. I agree with you. I think it's it is likely to fail. It's, it's an insane prospect. I will say first, it can happen here. Opt, get the optimism and normalcy bias out of there. Yeah. Everyone has always said this. The people who stayed behind in World War II Germany who are like, ah, it's not going to happen. And then it did. But the other thing I'll say is one side is going to lose this fight, mm-hmm. the left or the right. Do you think either side will accept defeat? Do you think if these left wing Democratic establishment people who say Madison Cawthorn is an insurrectionist, do you think they're going to sit back and be like, well, he's in Congress now. He's the one passing the abortion ban bill after Roe v. Wade gets overturned by the Supreme Court. They're going to be like, he's illegitimate. He was sued and it was a Republican judge or whatever. Yeah. So I think to piggyback off of points that both of you made earlier. Uh, you were you were saying that you think this is going to end with one side dominating the other. You were saying that you think it's basically going to break out into a civil war. I would argue, and maybe this is a little too pessimistic, but at, at some point it's just inevitable that there's going to be some level of violence because even if it doesn't break out into a full-on civil war, what you're sort of talking about with one side lording over the other is basically, as Orwell put it, just a boot stomping a face. So you just end up having violence from the state against ordinary people who are just trying to live their lives peacefully. People get pulled in. Let me show you this article we got. This is a conversation that occurred between Rep. Adam Kinzinger, who hates Trump and hates the MAGA movement, to Wolf Blitzer. He said that there was a very real possibility of civil war. I'll just jump down to the part we get into the quote. He said, I never would say that we would ever have ended up in that position, but now I believe it's a real possibility that we have to be wide eyed as we walk into it so we don't have that happen again. He appeared to mock their help, blah, 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 talking about Trump. Wolf Blitzer said, you, it was, it was, it was like, you're, you're seriously saying you fear a civil war is possible. And he said, a year ago, I would have said no, not a chance. But I have come to realize that when we don't see each other as fellow Americans, when we begin to separate into cultural identities, when we begin to basically give up everything that we believe so we could be part of a group. And then when you have leaders that come and abuse that faith, faithfulness of that group to violent ends, as we saw on January 6, we would be naive to think it is not possible here. In my earlier segment, I said he was wrong about the last part. I want to revise last part. I want to revise it. Adam Kinzinger's quote here is one of the most correct statements ever made I've ever read in politics. I'll tell you why. 
He's correct. Yeah. People are tribalizing. But he goes on to say, when that faithfulness of that group, uh, when you have leaders that come and abuse the faithfulness of that group to violent ends, as we saw on January 6th, we would be naive to think it's not possible here. Now, at first I was saying he's wrong about that because that manipulation is, is, it's not driven by, it's, it's an exaggeration, the conflict we're seeing. Now, I'm going to revise that. What we're seeing is, on January 6th, a bunch of Democrats and a bunch of uniparty politicians like Kinzinger weaponized a ride at the Capitol to use the power of law enforcement to crush their political rivals and disqualify them from holding office. He's correct. They're abusing the faithfulness of their in-group to wield the power of government against their political opponents. He's correct. When people start viewing each other as the good guys versus the fascists or whatever, there's nothing you can do about That's why it. I don't like the left-right paradigm because I don't think of the left as villains. I don't want to think ever think of other people as villains in this game. There's, that, it will die if that if we play. Sometimes that game. people you, are villains. Well, some Ian, people, everyone can be villainous, but that doesn't mean that people are villains. Well, Ian, I mean, yeah, oh, the, the, the battle Ian, between Ian, good and evil. We, we we just read a story about Capitol police officers dressed as construction workers breaking into a GOP rep's office. I know that there's a global fascist attempt at a takeover. I understand. It's been going on for like a hundred. <laughs> it's probably been going on for a thousand, two thousand years since the Roman is, slavery. Is, is that evil, what they did? It's horrible. Yeah, it's devastating. It's, okay, okay, it's now, destroying hold on, hold on. the human soul. Now, now, when the Capitol police powers were expanded by the January 6th committee, and they're, 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 are those people evil? Yeah, for? fascist militants. Okay, so so here's my issue. I'm specifically referring to the Democrat Uniparty politicians who are manipulating the people to gain power. Now, what happens in most wars when you have regular people who don't have anything to do with the conflict are pulled up into that conflict and are sent out as soldiers to go fight and die? The point is, the little guy is always the pawn. They're, they're always manipulated by the powerful elites. Right now, you have do-nothing neocon Republicans you have American, you know, uh, um, pro-America uh, anti-establishment figures of, of varying political backgrounds, and they say fascist and alt-right. They, they, they would accuse you of being alt-right and fascist. This would result in people physically attacking you or this show getting swatted because people tried to kill us twice. Isn't that evil? Isn't Yeah, is that it, was a – if they knew what they were doing, yeah. It's intense attention. So when he says – that you have leaders abusing the faithfulness of their group to violent ends. He's right. He's right. Oh, yeah. And so what do you do when you have – let me ask you, Ian. If a, if a zombie horde was coming at you and threatening you, would you be like, the zombies don't know what they're doing. They're not evil. I'll, I'll, <laughs> no, you'd be like, no, dude, no. I'm sorry. I mean the point of the game is to kill the zombies. Then you kill the zombies. It's but not, those are not, zombies. It's, it's a, a fantasy. What I'm saying is when you have a large political faction, two large political factions, and they inherently – they have fundamentally different worldviews. It doesn't matter who's right or wrong at that point. Certainly, I think some people are more right than others, and some people are more guilty than others. The issue is, Adam Kinzinger says a civil war is is is, is very possible, and you'd be na- naive to think otherwise. The fact is, you have Troy Nell saying, this did happen to me. I truly believe a civil war is possible. And it, if you think otherwise, you're deluding yourself. It's completely possible right now, and we have to be careful that it doesn't happen. But here, here's my point to make to you, Ian. You say you don't want to, you know, in group, out group or left and right. That doesn't matter. These people already hate you and they exactly. will never like you. Most people don't hate me. That, yo. I mean, I don't really, no well, one they, ever but, says but, like, hey, Ian, I hate you, Yes, man. Well, Do you see what they individual write about level, you in these smear pieces? Yeah, but I don't care about texts on the internet. That, dude. 
so Ian, you are you're you're correct that in your everyday life, most people you encounter who aren't chronically online aren't going to have any kind of issue with you. However, they have already drawn battle lines and they don't see you as a human being. They see you as representative of everything evil in the world because you oppose their ideology. So it doesn't matter if you put them in the category of evil. They view you as evil and they will do everything they possibly can to eliminate your rights. You, you may be right, but we're, you're making assumptions. Let me, let me ask you something. I don't think so. Would you, uh, you're in a museum and there's the constitution in that glass and you're standing in front of it. And then all of a sudden a bunch of people come in and they say, get out of the way, Ian. We're going to burn that, burn that constitution. Would you, would you say, oh, okay. probably step aside? Yeah. I you mean, they have weapons it. and pitchforks. Yeah. I'm not giving my life for a piece of paper. I know what the constitution says. I have pictures of it. Well, a lot of people in this country would be like, I will not step aside. Well, that's, then they're, they're worshiping an idol and they should stop doing that. It's not worshiping an idol. Worshiping it's, a it's a piece of paper. Who cares? We have the document. We don't need the paper. So, so, so this is kind of my point. There are a lot of people in this country who would be like, this founding document created the greatest nation on the planet, preserved civil rights, granted civil rights, made one of the greatest economies and the, and the, and the American dream. I will sacrifice myself to make sure that other people have that same opportunity. That I will do, but I'm not, gonna, not for a piece of paper, well, but for the idea. Ian, also, about the, I mean, whether you would agree to sacrifice yourself or not, I think saying it's just a piece of paper is really reductionist. Yeah. It's, it's so much more than the, the sum of its parts, as I would say. And also, it really represents something. So, for example, if you have like a signed photograph or, or you have a, you know, a family heirloom from a loved one who has passed away, it takes on a meaning beyond the literal object itself. And that's of course true of the constitution as well. But isn't that, that's idolization. I don't think so. No, you can recognize the context of something and see its value based on that like, without idolizing. All these, these I, rocks Ian, and gems. I would I'd actually argue, I would smash these to bits, dude. I don't care. Sure. Um, but I, I think that one of the problems with, with idolizing and, and idol worship at its root is that you're putting something in a category where it doesn't belong. And I don't think the Constitution merely belongs in the category of piece of paper. It's, it's obviously a lot more than I, that. I kind of see it like burning a flag. Like it's just a symbol. The data is important. We need to preserve the data. But the con the Constitution itself is more, right, more like a document of a so uh, you're standing in front of the uh, amalgam of U.S. history, the last remaining copies of all I'll of. I'll die our for it, man. If I if it's my life to preserve the state, yeah. So this is this is probably a better way to uh, uh, to explain it. The left wants year zero, right? Pol Pot. He wanted to purge all the all you know culture. Uh, Mao, great leap forward, all that stuff, cultural revolution. They wanted to purge the, all the traditional stuff. This is indicative of the communists as opposed to the fascists who are very traditionalist. So you have a faction in this country that is lying about history. 1619 project is fabricated. It makes no sense. They say this country was, was created as a slaveocracy. That's an overt lie. It's an outright lie. It's just not true. And they say the purpose of this country was so that white people could have slaves. It's literally not true. It's not true. Yeah. So you have actual history. And there's probably a lot of problems with history. Let's, let's be real because it's written by, a, you know, it's written by the victors. His story. But let's, but, right, but yeah. you, but you would, you would die to preserve the truth. Yeah, man. They would kill to destroy the truth. I know. Mm, so what do you do when you are tasked with preserving the truth and they are tasked with destroying it? I'd be as subtle as I can until the very moment. And then they're like, okay, now it's your chance and to get, have the power. And then when they're like, now give me the power back, Ian, I give them the power back. It's the unstoppable force and the immovable object. So this is how war happens. It doesn't matter if you think they're evil or not. What, what, what matters is there are a lot of regular people who don't pay attention, who only watch CNN, who have no idea what you know. And when they see the truckers, they're told they're fascist, far-right, white supremacists. And they say, okay. 
And then they go and vote for politicians who weaponize law enforcement to crush political opponents. And then you have whatever this weird group of people we are, which is, you know, post-liberal, libertarian, conservative. And we're like, the truth is what's, what matters most. I think about it almost every day. I mean, how do you navigate in a system where it's basically built with people that will kill, sociopaths that will kill to preserve power and snub out the version of history they don't want to be told, but to be an honest truth teller? How, like, how do you do that in this world? You got to make people laugh. You got to make sure everybody has fun while you're doing it. And maybe you can make the villainous authoritarians realize, that, hey, it's, it's, life's pretty cool. And it's okay if, if it's not the way you want it to be. Beating him in elections a few times in a row would help. I don't know. Yeah. Po- political parties yeah. do change as a result of that. Like my long-term thesis about like what is what does victory look like in the medium term is something like what the conservatives in England did to the Labour Party in the 80s when Margaret Thatcher just beat Labour badly like three times in a row. Um, and Labour went from being like a pretty hardcore socialist movement to like the neoliberal Tony Blair party because they wanted to win. Um, and so I think, you know, the world where a world where like Republicans win like three or four elections in a row convincingly. And, and I think that's quite possible in a world where the left keeps doing this stuff. They've, they've, yeah, absolutely. You know, the left has found itself. I mean, they're, they're moving towards censorship. They're moving towards this stuff because they're losing traction. I mean, we, we, the generic ballot poll was something like for the first time, it's like plus four for Republicans. It hasn't been plus for Republicans in two decades right. or something. And Gallup yeah. found a, a party affiliation for the first time in like 30 years is now pro Republican. Right. So if, uh, so, so this is all very doomsday to be humbly honest. However, if in November, Republicans get a commanding sweep and then immediately put a stop to what the Democrats are doing and shut it all down, then I would actually say I think, you know, things are sit like you know, the, 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 the temperature is lowering, the, 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 the boil is reducing. And then um, it depends on how Democrats respond to it, mm-hmm. because you still have the executive branch. You still have Joe Biden. Then we'll see what happens when Donald Trump, he's running. He, it's no question about it. He's effectively said he's running and all of his, you know, former staff, well, many of his former staff have publicly stated he's running, even to us. Then when he runs, we'll see what happens. Because you look at what happened on January uh, 20th, 2017 with the rioting in DC, the insurrection. You take a look at what happened in, uh, what, when was it when the far left was trying to jump the, the, the fence, the White House and set fire? They to the literally church? broke the barrier of the White House and, uh, the summer of 2020. And yeah. they set fire to a guard post. They, yeah. they set fire to a church. Mm-hmm. 50, uh, agents were injured. It was 2020. Wow. Yes, that was in 2020. Yeah, summer so, time, so, so what do you think happens mm-hmm. if we get, if we get in November a Republican sweep of Congress mm-hmm. and then they start passing bills and laws? The left, who's already completely insane, are going to reignite the whole BLM wave of rioting. All that, all that insanity is going to be right there. Yeah, this is the burning of the St. John's Church is what you guys are saying. That's a DC. Right. It's mm-hmm. June 2nd, 2020. So what happens then in uh, 2024 when it's like September and Donald Trump is winning in all the polls? Do you think they'll learn their lesson and Antifa no. will come out and be like, we're so sorry we did this to you guys. Please don't vote for them. Or do you think they're going to be like, fascists have won. It's time to revolt. Well, yeah. So first of all, obviously, I know you're you're being a little facetious there, but they will never apologize for anything. They'll just move on to the next racket and they'll start pointing the finger at Republicans. Look at all these horrible things they've done. Look at the human rights abuses Trump wants to implement. I think people are going to be smarter than to look where the people who were burning the country down are pointing. 
I can't imagine that people would support another year of rioting and burning <clears throat> buildings. Yeah. Well, and also I don't. So we, we've we've discussed this before, and we've we've um, compared the way the left behaves to a child throwing a temper tantrum, and it really can go in one of two directions. When they keep throwing the tantrum and it doesn't work, they can either double down and keep doing it, or they can grow up and, and learn how to behave productively. I'm not sure which direction they're going to take. It's it's going to be very dependent on the particular left wing. We need individual. law to shape culture. Like what, I think one of the you know one good thing that would come out of a law that sort of banned social media censorship and deplatforming mm. is it would just take the teeth out of all this dumb activism that seems to juice the most authoritarian impulses of the left. Right? Social like media if, is yeah. problematic. You know, like yes. if, if they if if you could just get them like. If this Joe Rogan stuff would be like Spotify would put out instead of that simping like ridiculous statement that the Spotify CEO put out about how sorry he was. If he just put out a statement that was like federal law prohibits us from doing anything like what you guys suggest. So Joe Rogan staying on the platform, uh, you know, take a hike. And if that were the, I mean, you know, take that across like YouTube, Twitter, whatever. If all those companies just realized if we do what the leftists want, we'll be in violation of federal law. And, yeah. Yeah. You know, like so that would. I mean, it would, it would do a lot to decrease the temperature. Well, and I agree with you. I think that that would decrease the temperature a lot. One thing I said on the show the other day is that I've known a lot of left-wing people, and I've seen how they behave in groups, and I've also seen how they're willing to behave one-on-one -on -one with me when they have conversations, and they are far more left-leaning when they are around other left-wing people. What I like to say is you're honestly not a leftist until there's two of you. When you're alone having a conversation with someone who has a different political perspective than you, you're much more open and willing to hear. But as soon as they get around someone who is left-leaning, they feel the need to signal that they are the more left-leaning person. That strikes I, me I as wanna, someone with a weak mind that just adapts yes, to whoever they're that's, around. That that's it's what right. it is. Yeah. I, I want to explain why I think a Republican election is more likely to result in violence and escalation than de-escalation. Like you were mentioning beating them a few times in a row might be good. But you take a look at the punch a Nazi thing that happened. When the left engages in violence, the media celebrates and cheers for it. When the left tore down the security barrier at the White House and then set fire to a guard post in a church and Trump was forced into a bunker, they made fun of him, mocked him and called him bunker yeah. boy and cheered for it. When BLM burnt down uh, causing uh, buildings causing $2 billion in insurance damage, and that's the minimum, that's the, that, that, that's the max payout. So that's not even, I shouldn't say the minimum, that's not even all the damages. And they said, your insurance will cover it. When David Dorn was shot in the chest and killed over a TV, they didn't talk about it. They didn't care. When they commit acts of violence, it's it's powerful resistance against evil and fascism. So if, it, if Republicans end up winning, it justifies everything they've said. Maybe, but it, I mean, it depends if we get a little bit more of a competent administration. I don't know that we will because, I mean, I'm not you know, impressed. I mean, Trump's big weakness is his ability to make the rest of the executive branch do what he wants or do, you know, he's just not good at it, right? He's not good at influencing, but I don't know. You but, get a DeSantis look, type in there. I don't, I don't, I, I just, I don't. I mean, it's just, it, what, what happens in a world where like DOJ actually meaningfully enforces the law and starts imposing serious penalties on these people? Like, I mean, there's, there, the reason this stuff happens in my judgment, a big chunk of it, it's not substantially deterred. Like they're just not prosecuted. Yeah. Um, and I think you you start. But that's that's my point. Like you like you saw Jason Charter right that kid who like punched. You remember that time the Jack got punched or you know pushed around at that yeah. Lincoln rally or whatever. That kid got like three months probation. Mm. And that after he also destroyed some monuments, right? He was like charged with destroying monuments of felony. That got pled down to misdemeanor, and he only got three months probation. So if Trump ends up getting elected in 2024 and we make it through the next several years without substantial violence and escalation. And then he purges the executive branch and the Department of Justice to replace all these prosecutors and these federal prosecutors across the country who didn't prosecute any of this. 
maybe then we'd see some meaningful change. But that is taught that you, what, you're, what you're basically saying is he needs to purge the entirety of the other political faction. I don't know that he needs to purge the entirety of the other political faction out of the DOJ, but he definitely needs to like purge the top ranks. Needs to like, and there needs to be much more. Fa- I mean, another big problem is that DOJ was just swallowed up in an endless scandal, right? Like, I mean, the Mueller report and the Russia nonsense, like much, most of Trump's first term was just, you know, swallowed by distraction rather than governance. When the Democrats are in power, when the left, the progressive left and the establishment have power, they use it to justify a, a mandate from the people to do all of these things. When they're out of power, they they claim the fascists are winning and use it to justify their acts of violence and revolt against the system until they get power back. So I just I look at everything that's been happening and I, I there's that, you know, quote, I think I can't remember, I keep forgetting the guy's name where he says, when I am weak, I ask you for freedom because it's according to your principles. Yes. When I'm strong, I deny you freedom because it's according to mine. That's from Dune. That's, uh, that's Herbert. Dune. Herbert. Frank, Frank Herbert. Frank Herbert. The author of Dune. Yeah. yeah. So if the Republicans win in November, certainly I think they'll start taking action and trying to pass bills. Biden will probably veto a good majority of them. And the left will argue, see, we were right the whole time. We need Antifa and we need to engage in direct action, they'll call it, to stop the fascists. So I want to acknowledge like what I think is happening. Cultural revolution, Mao. Uh, you talk about a culture war. I think that what happened is this communist mentality bled into our country sometime 20, 30 years ago, maybe through social media. And now a, a generation of children have been raised with that mindset or, or a sect of that generation. So that's reality. How do we deal with that peacefully? Um, I mean, serious curriculum changes uh, would be one place to do it, right? Like teaching the horrors of communism yep. and as, as like a mandatory thing. And I mean, I think that would have to be done by states, right? It's probably not like a federal yeah. initiative to do that. But like, that's what I mean. You're talking about like peaceful change. Uh, oh, radical shift of university. I mean, you know, co-optation or destruction of the existing university system that would be like, by the state governments uh that i don't know if it, federal or state right you could massively can make the loans contingent on certain changes uh adding political affiliation one one simple one i i've thought of is like making political affiliation a protected class uh for universities and then forcing them to hire x number of conservatives every but that's year. that's really tough because what political affiliations are we, are you willing to then tolerate nazism really really tr- really tricky but you know yeah. you i mean uh, i think like you end up kind of getting to a place where if you have the the will to impose that kind of legislation on them you can kind of negotiate and get what you need which is like serious large chunks of university staff being conservative but yeah. what is it what, how do you how do you how do you how does it how does a university mandate someone being conservative and what is conservative and how do you know i don't know they i mean they they added in they've managed to do that with every other aspect of diversity like i'm sure they could we could figure something out no, i don't i don't think they have actually well i mean you know, like the, gender uh gender identity sexual preference but that but a, but a lot of that is fairly nebulous which is resulting in you know, political conflict and crisis. Sure. It might be nebulous, but it's still, I mean, even if it's vague, it doesn't mean that it's like completely ambiguous and un, you know, unachievable. Like there's so, a reason the, the campuses have, have gotten so much diverse and like why, you know, if you're a white male looking for a prof- professorial position, you're really SOL at a lot of universities. A Nazi right shows up to university and says they're conservative and want a job and they say, no, you're a Nazi. And he says, no, I'm not. I'm a conservative and then files a suit. What's a judge going to do? A I don't know, good question. A it's, judge- it's, it's hard to, it's, it would be hard to exclude like the, the edge cases, but I mean, maybe you drop legislation that 
exclude figure that you figure out a way to do it or not. But I mean, and maybe this is undoable, in which case we just need to cut off all funding to the universities and start our own institutions and essentially force a preference for those new institutions. I think universities need to be purged, but we have a cultural problem. And uh, it's amazing. You know, I was watching Star Trek The Next Generation and I was like, boomers did this. Yes. (laughs) And they did a really great job. But why did they screw up everything else? (laughs) The universities, for instance, man. You know, it's just it's it's um, polarization. And I don't mean political. I mean, in general. You had people in the 70s who went to the universities with a specific goal, and they created a very narrow band of what they were going to do. Some people went into popular media, and it was all very narrow. Universities, I think, are a huge mistake. Uh, the left worships them. They're, they're cult. You know, it, 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 it just goes to show you that these are basically uh, cult uh, community centers. I saw this post on Reddit where the left was making fun of the right. Someone on the right said, universities are where most bad ideas are born. I was like, Prager, you. And then all the comments were like laughing how much smarter they were than them and how universities are where smart people go and things <laughs> okay. like that. And I'm like, it just goes to show you that these people live in a world where the the, the majority of good ideas and, and education comes from the institutionalized learning facility where you become, you know, you get your, you get turned into a box. Whereas I think whatever our faction is recognizes that people come from all different backgrounds, have all different experiences, and mm-hmm. you can become educated and learned through many different ways. Maybe well, you just maybe you just uh, refuse to subsidize anything that's not STEM, right? Mm-hmm. That would be one yeah. interesting way of like essentially cha- basically saying that you know universities like no money that from the federal government can go towards FX studies programs. What about the oh, arts? Sorry, not in college. You could do it elsewhere, right? Mm-hmm. We and the federal government doesn't need to subsidize it through the university system. Maybe they, you, you could set up your own independent like art scholar. I think one of the one of the funny subsidy. one of the funniest posts I saw from a leftist was on uh, it was on one of those like anti work subreddits, and it was a guy on Twitter saying, "I think that if a plumber wants to learn about you know Russian history, they should be able to go to university free of charge and learn all about it, and then they can keep working their job but still have access to knowledge. Knowledge should be free." And I'm just like, take, someone, take a YouTube class. Yeah, yeah. the internet, Seriously. bro. But someone Seriously. has to pay for that. Someone has to do the work. The building has to exist. These people, you know, look, man. But you, also, you can the, actually the, just go online. They're trying to solve a, a problem that already has a very well, sure, clear sure. and much more straight. And they were trying solution. to stop that. Like Phoenix University in the early days, that had a lot of like roadblocks. It was mm-hmm. very, very threatening the, to that the, industry. The, they I were can't. like, people can't learn online. And then in 2020, they're like, everyone has to take online courses. All right. Why, why do we need undergraduate humanities departments, actually? Like now that I think about it, like do we do we need them as Ethics? a country? Are they no. are they net beneficial for the country? I don't know. First of all, no, they're yeah, churches. I, yeah. I remember they're, humanities they're, they're, being like a fun class with a nice teacher. I don't remember what we did or anything. Funny you? story when you just said churches. Uh, you know what the most dominant major at the turn of the twentieth century was? Theology. Wow. Um, and it used to be that that's what like most people. And I, I realize that like you know there's always sense. been a yeah. huge demand for you know midwits to be able to like take, go to school to learn to point out blasphemy. Right. That's what they did at the turn of the 20th century in theology class. And that's what they're doing now in these X studies classes. So I, I totally disagree. At the turn of the 20th century, you actually had to be pretty intelligent in order to get into any kind of university setting. Yeah. Yeah. So the way I describe it to people, this is my personal hypotheses on our mm-hmm. cultural developments over the past several decades. I was, always, I was told over and over again in school by my family that the children of the greatest generation, they, uh, they, they, these are the great generation had a high school education and were able to raise a family of five. Just that alone. They had a bunch of kids. These are the boomers. The boomers grow up and what do they see? Their peers, brothers, sisters, friends, and, and otherwise 
who went to college made more money than they did. Yeah. And so they instill in their millennial children, you have to go to college. Look, I didn't go and everybody, uh, my, my friend went and he's making six figures and I never made that much. So you need to go to college. And here's what I realized. If, if, if the greatest generation was able to raise a family of five off just a high school diploma, they did not tell their boomer children to go to college. Mm. You didn't need to. You could raise your family on a high school diploma. What this means is the boomer, those in the boomer generation who went to college did so to pursue a passion. They were driven and they chose, I want to go here and do this thing. Unsurprisingly, people who are passionate and driven to search and, and explore became good at these tasks, were driven to succeed, and ultimately made more money. Now what we have is boomer parents told their kids, you have to go to college. That's the path towards, towards money. And it never was. Now we have a massively indebted generation of communists who think the solution is the government bailing them out because they never should have gone in the first place. And passion was always the key. So now you have all of you, you have this, this is my favorite stat. College dropout billionaires have on average three times more money than PhD billionaires. You have all of these stories of high school dropout millionaires and celebrities and entrepreneurs all the time. I mean, some of the most revered entrepreneurs, Steve Jobs, college dropout. I think Bill Gates was a college dropout as well. These are people who pursued a passion and said, college isn't what I need. Peter Thiel, I think, I don't know if he still does, but he had the uncollege movement, trying to instill Elon this Musk. message in people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But now you have millennials all believing it's not passion. It's not drive. It's not inquisitiveness. It's just getting your degree. This yes. is from no wonder well, there's no American from that one in eight billionaires drop out of college. Well, here's a fun one. I just realized like another thing you could really do to break the power of colleges. Uh, you ban federal discrimination on academic, basically academic credentials, right? Essentially, like what that means is you're not allowed to like ask people on their resume and you're not allowed to put what your race is. Well, now you couldn't put your degrees. Right. I you agree literally, with that. you know, Ex- like, but you can put your other experience, but you can't. I wouldn't have went to college if that's the case. I know. Exactly. I agree, but I think there's a better way to put it. Yeah. It's that you only can ask about the qualifications for regulated positions, mm-hmm. meaning a doctor, a lawyer, yes. a right. CPA, or things like yes. that. Right. So the law wouldn't be like you're not allowed to ask. The law would be you are only allowed to ask if we've regulated this position. Here are the list of jobs that have to be regulated by degree. And you could let yeah. people voluntarily put it on their resume if they want to. They could supply yeah. the Maybe. information. No. But no. I, I think you probably think have to prohibit it. I think you probably just have to yes. be like, you know, this is basically put the company in a position where they're like, if they see the resume and it has a college, you know, the way they would if they saw like the ra- you know, race or something like that, they'd be like, we're not even touching this because we don't want to be in the position of discriminating. <sighs> and, and, and what you do is you simply say this, show me your portfolio. Mm. Right. Yes. What's the job you're being hired for? Yes. Yeah. So, you know, it's really funny when you hire a contractor, how do you know they can do it? You look at the reviews at, on yes. Angie's list or whatever. Mm-hmm. So why am I going to assume some guy's got a degree? They're going to know how to do whatever it is they're talking about. No, it's it's all the same. It's all guesswork. Well, a lot of people end up working in a field very differently than the one they majored in. And part of the reason for that is the value that employers tend to find in a degree is it shows you that the person was capable of sticking with something for an extended period of time in order to meet their goal. That's true. And I feel like I have to circle back real quick to what Tim was talking about earlier. He was talking about how boomers looked at the people who went to college or the people previous to boomers looked at the people who went to college and said they succeeded therefore you should go Mm -hmm. i feel like this is one of the cornerstone tripping stones that's happened to millennials i feel like this is one of those reversal of cause and effect
product that they looked at and they said this, therefore this, instead of looking at it the other way. And, and I, well, I see a lot of people just as, as we're doing this segment on generations, people are saying, I skipped Gen X. No, I didn't. Generations hop. So you have the silent generation, and then I think the silent generation made the had the Gen Xers, right? Yes, yeah, that's greatest correct. had boomers, boomers had millennials. Yep. Gen Xers had Gen Z. Leap there's frogs. a there's it, leapfrogs. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, the issue Gen Xers, I think, were pretty rad for the most part, but they're just politically weak and they have no idea what's going on. They didn't have One the thing, internet; they were raised without it. Another thing I want to mention that I think is hilarious about people who went to college sort of arrogantly declaring that makes them more intelligent than anyone else is in order to do that you have to just completely uncritically accept the most baseline way of defining intelligence learn which, re- which is ironic can you repeat information yeah. can you memorize stuff exactly what well and also you're just assuming that degree equals intelligence that's right. such an absurd idea. Right. Because you can be a stupid yes. person that repeats information and have no idea how to put those ideas together to form a new idea. Well, and we've been, we have been consistently dumbing higher education down for about 150 years now. If maybe, maybe closer to 100 years. May I com- conclude my point real fast? Sure. Yes. Just, I feel very, very strongly about this because this is a classic case of them looking at something like, for example, self-esteem and saying that kids who had high self-esteem did well in school. That is exactly backwards. Kids who did well in school earned their high self-esteem. Mm. The people who went to college because they were passionate about something did well in that field. And whether they dropped out or not, the fact that they went and they decided to pursue a degree or a career and came out ahead of the curve was an in- exact inversion of the reason we're pushing everyone to go to college. We're telling everyone that they must have high self-esteem in order to succeed. These are exactly backwards. And I think this is part of the reason that millennials are so turned around. It is exactly an inversion of the truth, I think. Well, let's yeah. go to Super Chats. If you haven't already, smash that like button. Honk the like button. And subscribe to this channel. Share the show with your friends if you, if you really do like it because that really helps. And go to TimCast.com. Become a member because we are uh, primarily supported by memberships. That's how we keep keep the lights on, employ all our journalists, and pay for all the infrastructure. With your support, we will expand. We will do more of this. We will launch new shows. And we will combat the fake news media. We're going to have a members-only segment coming up for all of our members at TimCast.com around 11 or so p.m. So you don't want to miss it. Make sure you sign up again. And let's read your super chats. We got this from Rilo. He says, honk, honk, let's go, Brando. Tim, I appreciate you doing this and putting yourself out there. What you do means truckloads to lots of people. Uh, I love it. Uh-huh. I really, I, I, I appreciate that. Red Viking says, I trust Tim Pool. Regards from Denmark. I really appreciate that. And I'm, I'm, I'm humbled and grateful. All right. Cowboy Shane says, I've already obtained permission from my company, which is one of the largest national carriers in America. To dress my company truck in the all Ameri- in, in all the American Freedom Convoy Gucci gear, I have no idea what that is, but it sounds very oh interesting. My. Sounds good. All right, Zeke Schwenke says, Tim, how can you be both pro-choice and anti-death penalty? Only one of those always results in an innocent death. Love your work. Just been wanting to ask you this for a while. It is a greatly complicated question, and it's uh, actually relatively simple. The issue of abortion is a language issue. When I'm talking about choice, I'm not talking about women literally just deciding to abort a completely healthy and viable baby for literally no reason. I think that's wrong. However, I think there's a governmental, there's a problem I have with the idea that you have a woman, let's say she has a health issue. I don't like the idea that the government intervenes and says, tell us about those health issues before you can get approval for a procedure from your doctor. The same way I feel about vaccine mandates. The issue is if, uh, you know, you have a private medical decision that's between you and your, like you shouldn't be able, you should be forced to go around and tell people this. Admittedly, 
it's an extremely difficult position to 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 uh, uh, it's an extremely difficult moral position because it's it's involving two different lives and the rights of two individuals who are who are joined. And I don't think I have the answers for how you solve legal questions and the rights of individuals when they're two people in one body. That's inherently difficult. Mm. As for the death penalty, it's an entirely different circumstance. I, if, if Kamala Harris walked up to you and said, hey, this guy over here should die, trust me, I'd be like, no, you're an evil person. There's literally no one in government who can come up to me and say, just trust me, we should kill that guy. I'd be like, no. If you've subdued the person, they're locked in a box. I don't trust you. I just don't do it. If I witnessed a criminal committing an extremely egregious act against somebody, I would act in defense of others using force necessary to stop them from doing it. And that could result in a loss of life. It's unfortunate. I don't want people to die. But they're not the same things. And I I think they're totally different arguments. I I, I disagree. I, I mean... I would say the only way in which they're different is that every time someone dies as a result of abortion, we're guaranteed that they were innocent. My question to you, because you're sort of bringing up the complexity here, so I guess my question to you would be, what was wrong with the laws that existed prior to Roe v. Wade when abortion actually was illegal entirely in some states? What laws specifically? I know that the country was capable of having abortion laws which entirely prohibited it. Uh, because that was the case prior to See, Roe v. Been, Wade in many states. And, I, and so this, I, this I think you're I, arguing it's too by complicated. A language, a language discussion. You're talking mm-hmm. about something different, right? So we've had this conversation before yeah. where your, your view of abortion is the arbitrary killing of an unborn baby. Yeah. I'm not talking about that. So, so you would you, you believe that should be illegal? The, the I, I don't know about the, the problem I have with drawing a line at making. Uh, uh, I think it's wrong mm-hmm. and I think people shouldn't do it. But the question about illegality is government intervention to monitor this to make sure it wasn't or was is the difficult position. So you're saying like an investigation after the fact or before, but like you, like how, how would this work? Like a woman, let's say she's got like uh, um, cysts or something. And the doctor says, you're both going to die. We need to act quick. She'll be like, well, let me file my requisition forms to the government, make sure we can get a, a proper approval on this before we move forward with this procedure. The issue is that I recognize life being a conception. Mm-hmm. Anyone who says otherwise is lying for political reasons, and they have no argument. Yeah. Vosh was asked about this on the show, and he said – he was asked by Charlie Kirk, when does life begin? He goes, I don't know, birth? Ah. Yeah. Or, or, or what, yeah. Did he, what did he say, like Thanks. six months or something? Yeah. I'm just like, dude, Wild. come on, man. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, there's no argument there. Yeah. But there is a challenging discussion around – I'm not, uh, the left uses pro-choice often. It, it, it used to mean safe, legal, and rare. And it mm-hmm. used to reference specifically the health of the mother and whether or not, you know, women have the right to go to a doctor and make the decision amongst themselves without government intervention. Pro-choice today means pro-abortion. So I'm, I'm, I'm actually opposed to abortion. I think it's wrong. Mm-hmm. But we shouldn't conflate abortion, which, it, which, you know, the, 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 the term meaning women saying, I want to kill this baby with, the doctor saying, we think there's a very strong possibility that you will die, the baby will die. And the, the, also the, the alternative, and that's something I've, I've said for a while, I don't know if I can tolerate the government saying you must, uh, you, you are obligated to provide your body to another person. Yeah, sure. So, um, I would say that it, when it comes to medically necessitated abortion, I mean, you have, you have the, the, the Dublin Declaration and also you don't, 
even necessarily need the Dublin Declaration. There's a lot of doctors who will tell you this, that actually going in and performing uh, an abortion is never a medical necessity. Sometimes there are instances where you might need to perform an operation on a woman who is pregnant that can result in the death of the unborn child, but those are not abortions because your goal is not to kill the child. Your goal is to perform a different operation that could result in the child being hurt. So that is different from an abortion, and the law would factor that in. I think they're involuntary abortions at that point. Well, I want, I want, we got to read more super oh, chats. A miscarriage, yeah, yes. But uh, I think we'll end up talking back yeah. and forth each other, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, but, uh, yeah. It could be my, a good discussion on an after show or another time. I yeah, think definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. Let's read some more. We got Dustin Jones says, hey, Tim, did you see the Daily Mail article titled Biden admin to fund programs that hand out crack pipes to promote racial equity? <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's, that's a free article yeah. originally. And uh, I was browsing Reddit, as I often do, and there was uh, a leftist subreddit mocking Charlie Kirk. Because Charlie Kirk said something like the Biden administration is going to be giving out free crack pipes, but they can't deal with, you know, this, that or otherwise, these other problems. And the response from the left was, he's lost his mind. What is he even talking about? And I'm just like, these people are so (laughs) stupid. They think they're smarter than Charlie. And Charlie said stupid things like nobody's perfect, but he's talking about a legitimate news story. They just don't read the news. They just sit there twiddling their thumbs, laughing about how smart they are. Yikes, man. Well, they went to college, Tim. Yeah, they sure oh, did. They sure did. They're shout probably out, 13. Yeah. Shout out to all you Gen Xers That means they're so smart. That means they're, they're smart. There's a bunch of Gen Xers in chat. In there yeah, right yeah now, exactly. Like from some overpriced, like, private exactly. school in the middle of nowhere. Like you went hundreds of thousands of dollars into debt or tens of thousands of dollars into debt because your parents told you to and you're the smart one. Like, mm-hmm. Okay. That's right. Orville Redenpiller says, anti-truck discrimination. <laughs> That's a great name. You can't say trucker. That's our word. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> it's not okay to say trucker in any context. Good to know. Yes. It's a verb. Wait, no, it's not. Brandon Tom says, Tim, regarding your 4 p.m. video, how do you feel about the government interfering in hostage situations? You mentioned them a lot. Aren't hostage takers entitled to privacy from the government like pregnant women? I don't know if that makes that any sense. That analogy is insane. <laughs> Like, that's just, no, no, there's, there's obviously a, a, the, the question is, you know, the, the prior question is, is there like a wrong, a criminal wrong being committed, right? <laughs> like, and so like, if you, th- there's obviously a criminal wrong being committed in the world of a hostage taking, that's kidnapping, right? right? And that the, there is a fundamental debate in the abortion debate about whether that is like a crime or should be a crime. Like, that's, that's the difference between those two things, like. Yeah, that's not resolved. Well, I, I think he's asking more. I think he's asking more philosophically than legally, though, because in some sense, and I agree. Like this is there's a huge problem here when you discuss abortion, which is everyone sort of brings up analogies, and I don't think any of the analogies work very well. Like a mother-child relationship is a very specific thing. Uh, it, some people will describe it as you sort of have a built-in hostage situation. Uh, I've heard that verbiage before. I certainly don't prefer it, but I, I think what he's getting at is the philosophy of the fact that even in situations where one person does have full control over another's life, we're still willing to, willing to say the government should step in. The now, I think now, that's so, more or less what they're trying to communicate. So I, I don't want to go too long because I do want to read more, but yeah. let's, we'll, we'll, let's make a couple points. Or, or ask a couple, uh, How do you feel about the exceptions for rape and incest and abortion? No, I don't believe that there are any exceptions. I believe that the value of a human life is not contingent on how they were conceived. I completely agree, and that's one, that's one that always confused me about conservatives who are like, oh, okay, we, we agree yeah. on. However, the issue of rape is, is, is important because I understand the argument that a woman who gets pregnant, you know, in most cases made the conscious decision to engage in human mm-hmm. reproductive acts, which result in a pregnancy, yeah. and they now have to assume responsibility for carrying a life. That's just how biology works. But then you come to the question of a woman who was forced 
into carrying another life. And that's where I think the government doesn't have a right to say, no, no, no. Now you're obligated to provide your blood and body to another person because someone forced you, forced it upon you. Yeah, you really, can't like violate someone's forced rights impregnation, in like what the Uyghurs, what they're going through. Like, how do you not support them being able to abort those forced impregnations? Well, so I believe that uh, rape is an unbelievably horrific crime. I also believe that abortion is an unbelievably horrific crime, and I don't believe it simply harms unborn children. I really believe it harms the women as well. So I would say that a woman has undergone something traumatic and horrible. The solution to that is not to put her through something else that is also traumatic and horrible and kill the child. Well, I I, I think your morality is irrelevant to the individual who's making the choice on what their body is to be used well for. but then i could say i can use my body to kill anyone and your immor- no, your no, morality no. is not uh relevant to what decision that's I've not made. that's that's not a, analogies don't work like you said you can't have someone latching themselves onto your blood or, or you can't have someone hooking them hooking you up you know to their bloodstream because their kidneys don't work and then you and then you being told by the government you can't unhook them but that's not my child but that's, that's not, that's not, we're talking about two individuals who have a right to life sure. and pursuit of happiness. And if a woman was forced by someone else whose rights were violated mm-hmm. to carry a life she didn't want to carry, that I don't think the state has a right to come in and say, I don't care what you want to do with your body. You were forced in this position and now we're going to make sure you stay in that position. I, I think that's right. Wrong. There's a basic I, like problem with like, I, I I, my problem with this position is that it it treats the woman as an instrument of the rapist and forces mm. the government I, to continue to act and facilitate that instrument. That no, I, I don't. I don't think it's seeing her as an instrument of a rapist. I think it's seeing her as a mother and saying that mothers can't kill their children. And if if so, people bring up analogies about different kinds of relationships. But like I said, ultimately the mother-child relationship is a very different thing. What if she says, "I did not choose this, and I don't want it." I think there are a lot of really difficult things people go through in life that they don't choose, but that doesn't give them the right to harm other people. What if the baby? Well, what if the baby's born and it's got a kidney defect and it's going to die? Well, but we're, they, we're, they we can't. Hold on, no, 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 no. We're not. I, I don't want to get into a whole two thing. I, I only want to ask okay. a couple questions because okay. otherwise we'll go for twenty years. Yes, <laughs> but I, th- I think the point <laughs> has been made. We disagree. On yeah, we one. disagree. Let's read some more. Mystic says, "Tim, please help us uh, be brave and do something about mask mandates in our kids' schools." Shout out to our site. Open letter to what does it say? Open letter to Archbishop Laurie.com. It's hard to read when there's names, you know, and it's all no spaces. Logan Culver says, Ian is right and the MF and Fed. Jeez. Wait, what do you have to say to I that, Will? I guess I didn't win that. <laughs> <laughs> it's not so simple as I tried, I tried so hard. And you the, failed to convince And the Will. Fed's a fun catchphrase around Paul made popular, but. I'm sorry I didn't convince you. We Logan. need to, um, we need to create something new if we're going to undo the old thing. Don't just tear it down. You need to create something new that's better and then we can transition. And please, By think, the way, think hard about the gold standard, guys. It really has been tried and found wanting. I, I think, think Logan, I think Culver's I think a cool name, by the way. I've talked about a lot, you know. Ron Paul talking about the gold standard, and I often said, like, it's an archaic system. It doesn't mean it's perfect. Let's Can read I some just more. Say I don't Logan, want to go back Logan to the gold Culver system. Logan Culver is a cool name. It'd be remiss oh, not to point go. that out. Culver's yeah, has name. good burgers. Yeah. Yeah. Christopher Chapman Logan. says, Will of the people changed my life, made me cry. Where is the line between fighting an evil power and the continuous cycle of power corrupting? Hmm. This is a reference to my music video, Will of the People. You should check it out. We're working on the sequel to it. It's a, a side quill, not necessarily a sequel. It's called Pain. And we got uh, Pete Parada, formerly of The Offspring, laying on the drum tracks for us, and it sounds amazing. The idea think, is, what do you think of that? Though, yeah, Tim? you I'm use violence about, to take down a violent uh, yeah. regime. Like, at what? How does that wheel stop turning? How do you stop that wheel from turning? Where do you draw the line with using violence to overturn a violent regime? Like, what? What's that guy's answer? I guess. I, oh, I don't, I don't. I don't know if it is possible. Mm-hmm. You know, I think technology, for one thing. Uh, I don't know if it is possible. 
Like you look at what's going on right now when you say you don't want to do the left right thing. And I'm like, dude, these people have tried to kill us twice. And I know it might be, some people might say it's a little hyperbolic, but swatting is an attempt to end your life. The second time the swatting was, I, I, I don't want to give away too many details for security reasons, but the second swatting was in many ways worse than the first. Mm. They were different, but in many ways worse. And the goal is to try and get us killed. Mm-hmm. So the second time it seemed like they were really trying to get us killed. Yeah. It's like, what do you do when they're trying to get you killed, man? Yeah. You know, just be like, well, I don't, I don't want to play that Abraham game. Abraham Lincoln was like, well, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. He just kept going about his day. And then he had a dream that he was dead. Yeah. You ever hear that story where he had yeah, a dream and there was like, yeah. everyone was crying in the White House. He was like, what's happened? What's yeah. happened in his dream? They're like, the president is dead. He's like, what? And then the next day, I think he got shot or something mm-hmm. within like a couple days. Yeah. Crazy, man. That's one way to go about it. The other way is you could hide in a bunker like Justin Trudeau. There's so many ways to go. All right. Let's read some more. We got Andrew Gelling. He says, Ian, yo, dog, I heard you like currency. So we put your currency on some <laughs> currency so you can spend while you spend. Oh, good. <laughs> good, good. Great line. That is Mason says, in the dark ages to the late Middle Ages, cities and counties would mint their own coins and freely trade with those coins which were based on the purity of the silver and gold used to make the coin but that's still a single currency used internationally if gold and silver is the standard which is the, i think the point you were making right like the euro is a central a single currency like gold and silver would mm. be yeah people would start doping their currency back then and like silver plating their copper and then you, using you, yeah. that yeah people would shave the the edges off of the coins to collect oh, right. a little bit more that's why you have ridges at the ends of coins now so you know that really? someone didn't just shave into it yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow yeah that's so a, if you could just shave a little bit off of the outside of every single coin right. yeah. it's made of <laughs> precious metal eventually you're going to have a lot of money now we have pieces of paper. I think there's some cloth. Well, now they're mostly cotton. plastic. Fabric, right? Oh, is it? Yeah, I think it's cotton. Well, a Maybe lot it's of different uh, now. Like in Canada, it's all plastic money. Mm-hmm. Right? I, honestly, a lot of it's just digital now. Yeah, like overwhelming, like 99% yeah, of it is digital. All right. GBP says a lot of the truckers are from Alberta. Kenny is conservative, but I think he's trying to deflate the convoy and get them home. Well, yes, comply with their demands and they'll go home. It's that simple. <laughs> it's like, we're going to get rid of the mandate. It's like, all right, we're out. You know. Yeah. There you go. That's the benefit of having a discreet ask. What if they get yeah. rid of the mandate, they leave, and then they do the mandate again? Mm. You know come, what I wonder? They come back. They just come back, but I then guess. they'll be ready for it. You know what I wonder about these political leaders? Did they forget that they live in a society where they have to do things for other people? Because this is what we were constantly told about the vaccine. Mm. Did, did they forget that they have to consider other people's interests sometimes? Unbelievable. Mm. Just comply, you guys. All right. Noob Tube says, heavy-duty tow truck driver here. Tim, you are right about the logistics. Everything is towable with some work. But to tow an unwilling semi, it would take 60 to 90 minutes once you are hooked just to make so, it move. So <laughs> wow. Yeah, I, so every expensive. bit of this is That's so funny. perfect. I love it. There is, they have no power. I love seeing truckers just like sitting there, just like regular working dudes being like, you have no power here. Like, look at me. I am the I am the captain. It's yeah. literally right. it's exactly. it's it's literally like so Bugs names. Bunny messing with a villain. They're just kind of they're doing their thing, and these people are losing their minds. That's amazing, dude. Regal says, or Regal says, Ian is right about Optimus Prime being in Canada right now. His motto is "Freedom is the right of all sentient beings." Mm. <laughs> Autobot, love it. Indeed. Poofy says, "Optimus Prime hashtag blood feud." Let's go, Optimus, dude. He's hashtag a good dude. Man. Optimus, yeah. Orson Welles, did he do that? He did this voice for the movie. For the original Transformers movie. Who did? Orson Welles did Optimus. What? Really? Yeah. What? I'll double check it, but I'm all When? In the 80s? Yeah, Sloan. the 80s. Huh. Smedley Butler III says Ian's right. A select group of banking families secretly meeting with a select group of senators on Jekyll Island to own 
and be the printing machine for the world is the exact definition of fascism. Mm. It's not the exact, but it's pretty close. Looks like in the first Transformers movie, we had Orson Welles, Robert Stack, Leonard Nimoy. What a star cast. That is pretty Cubicle says, this has to be the worst Magic the Gathering channel I've ever seen. <laughs> you haven't mentioned Kamigawa dropping this weekend. Will you and Ian be attending pre-release? Are they going to have quad lands? Are they doing quad lands? No, I'm just making fun of the game. The power creep's insane. Yeah, but there's already... Sept- lands that tap, sept- tap for anything? Sept lands? Yeah. yeah. Mana confluence. Mm. I don't know, whatever. We should play Magic. Yeah, you know Will plays. Oh, what? I used to. What colors? Oh. What's your main? I, I mean, I don't know colors. Like, what are your main combos? I mean, is I haven't you, played in twenty years, right? So he like, was playing when I, Urza's block. Yeah, yeah Urza's like, saga. so. I guess what what did I play? I played like Drago with disc and like counter and, and counter spells. Yeah, oh, blue. Disc. Yeah, yeah, mono blue counter deck. Because <laughs> I, I at that point I was in like fourth grade and like I, I could only afford like cheap stacks. Did I you ever, get boomerangs in there? I think there were boomerangs. They're pretty unstoppable. Uh, and then, like, maybe there was some... I forget. What was What is the black-green deck that was really popular back then? I don't know, man. It was... Black-green? It was, like, a weird... Mm. I don't know if... It, it wasn't a Necro deck. It was... Oh, uh, Urza's? Like I don't know Urza's if there was co- mixed-color decks during Urza's. It Psychotalk? was all had, like, Psychotalk? I no, remember I watching the, the old, like, Nationals and stuff and, like, the tournaments. And the dude would do, like... Turn one swamp dark ritual Phyrexian negator and it was just like it's done. Oh negator, yeah, it's like yeah. I remember those cards. Yeah, turn I, I one mean, five, like five five five. But I, I and if know. he takes the damage, I, I did mostly like. I, lo- I love how sealed, esoteric though, this is, and so many people are confused about what we're talking right about. Now. <laughs> did you just right, right, really use some magic on let's us? Let's read some more super chats. We got Seth. He says, "No, Tim, the Union soldiers were already in Fort Sumter. The Confederate soldiers surrounded the fort, and someone from the Confederate side fired. I did not say otherwise. My point was." The, the materials, the fort, and that was there was controlled by the Union that said, you can't have that. It's ours. And the South said, get out and go home, which would effectively be giving up a powerful and expensive military resource. And the Union soldiers said, no, that the same thing would happen. If there was a peaceful divorce in this country, you will have, you know, wh- whichever side controls D.C., you'll have federal forces and a military base in, say, Florida. And then Florida will be like, time to go, guys. And they're going to be like, these nukes belong to us and we're not leaving them. And they're going to be like, yes, you are. And there's no other way it could go down. And what about Uh. like Area 51 and all the underground tunnels and stuff that probably cross state lines for all I know? Yeah. And what about the underground cities full of reptilian people? Yeah, exactly. Where are they going to go? Who gets those in the custody battle? And underneath that, yeah. I think they choose. They choose. Yeah, Sentient they beings. Choose. Yeah. Well, they're it's gonna, kind of they're a cool gonna, thing to do, but they're going to say that fifty miles below the surface is not controlled by uh, the state. Oh, oh just like the sky. Them. Yeah. Well, yeah. the sky is FAA. Yeah. How the, far up? Only how, 10 miles? how far down does, does, the, does the, our jurisdiction go here? Eight miles. Yeah. yeah. Eight miles? And you just made that. The, the up. lizard yeah. people are going to be like, <laughs> you don't have mineral rights. So, <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Turn your surface rights on. So I've looked at a lot of land, and all the mineral rights are gone. Um, and for obvious reasons, companies will buy up mineral rights, but not the property, so that if they ever want to scan for it or look for something, they own it. If you ever strike or find something, they own it. So it's really annoying when you're trying to buy land. You got to make sure you're buying the mineral rights as well. I Otherwise, just, a, co- a company can come onto your land and start drilling and digging because yep. they have rights underneath. But the secret is the real reason mineral rights mineral rights have been bought up is because the lizard people want to make sure nobody oh, yeah. it's true. Their yeah. Yeah. That you know what I'm saying? It's true. Yeah, it's it's that, that proves it. Yeah, the Got lizard it. people. Yeah. yeah, checks out. Yeah. It's proof. It's proof. <laughs> it's actually <laughs> <laughs> low standard of proof there. Yep, yep, yep. I don't know about way. that, Tim. I think <laughs> he's good, yeah. I think he's got a point. <laughs> Nicholas Graves says I work for a towing company in Michigan and I tow semi in Metro Detroit. I will refuse to tow any protesters. Show me your honkers. Ooh. That's the other thing too. It's just it's amazing that uh 
it's a, it's amazing how many of the truckers are just like, we rely on this industry. You know, we're, we're friends with these guys. We're not going to interfere with what they're doing. That'd be yeah. It, that's the immune weird, system you know? method. I was like, yeah. if your veins are doing, your, you can't rip your veins out of your body. It's a very, very effective protest, mm-hmm. right? Like in terms of the ability to sort of force the other side to really negotiate with you. Normally, you don't. I mean, you just don't have to do that because the protests aren't aren't that powerful. Exactly. Christopher Fisher says, "Ian is the Taliban evil." Well, that's a, a Taliban's a group, so you, an individual can do evil things, but that doesn't mean they're always evil forever. Can and, I, ask I, I know it's, maybe that's an answer. Well, but here's a question though: If the group exists specifically to band people together to do something evil, then is the group itself evil? I think it's it's tough because if question. I put a Taliban sticker on my chest, it doesn't just not turn even necessarily evil. the Taliban. You, like we, we're just talking about. I, I'm curious about your view of, of groups and I, evil I don't in think general. Groupness makes people evil. If I slapped like a swast some some insignia red, it doesn't turn me evil. It doesn't all. I could take it off my chest and I'm still Ian. Well, I would agree it doesn't turn you evil, but don't you think that kind of signifier displays what's going on inside, which could indicate whether you are leaning towards good actions or evil ones? I think maybe it's correlative, but not causative. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't. So, like, if someone else comes and slaps a, a swastika on you, that doesn't that doesn't make you a Nazi. The patch doesn't cause it, but I think it causes people to know where your loyalties lie it, when you wear it voluntarily. Maybe not know. It causes them to consider where where they mm-hmm. lie, but they definitely mm-hmm. don't know just because of the way I look or the group I'm affiliated with. Hmm. All right. No legs, no problem. TV says Gen X are the kids of boomers, 1965 to 1979. Millennials are 80 and on. Uh, I'm a millennial. I'm uh, near, I wouldn't say late millennial, but closer to the end of millennial. And my parents are boomers. Yeah. Same for me. Same. I'm X. I'm the last year of X and my parents are boomers. Ah, yeah. Overlap. So it's, it's, it's a, it's a gradient across the board. It's not like there's just one generation, then one generation, but typically leapfrogs. Like the, the bulk is a leapfrog. Like my, my kids would be not millennial. I'd be Gen X with like Alpha Gen kid, kids or something. Yeah. Your kids would be Gen Alpha. I'm yeah, going to call it Alpha yes. Gen. Is that yeah, well, it's, yeah. it's called Generation Alpha. I'm switching it. Oh. He's, he's changing right. it. Yeah, that's Ian's prerogative. Yeah. All right, let's grab some more of these Super Chants real quick. Let's see. Car, uh, Crafty Veteran says, Hey, Tim, have you seen Showtime's new documentary series trailer, Everything's Going to Be All White? Because seeing it caused quite the controversy today. No, I don't know what that's about. Do you guys know what that's Super about? Super racist thing. Yeah. It's just like white people are, you know, bad and white, they're doing all sorts of bad things. And here's a bunch of people of color talking about how systemic racism. Yeah. It's like, how boring. So Who makes dull. that and thinks they're Look, doing anything interesting? So tedious. If, yeah. you know, Ian, let me ask you a question. Are white if, people evil as a group? Would you would you at least okay, say yeah, that? There are no white people. Would you at least say that white people are evil? No one's white and no one's white. No, white people are evil. It's whiteness that's evil. Let me ask you a question. If, um... If a group of people were demanding the right for the government to discriminate on the basis of race, would you oppose that? Yeah. What if they won and started discriminating on the basis of race? Would you be upset with that? Yeah. What would you be willing to do to stop them from violating the rights of people based on their race? Usually what I do is I make TV shows and yell and, and convince people to change their minds. I suppose the, the, the more difficult question is, Ian, if you saw a guy had taken any racial minority, literally chained them up in their backyard and was forcing them at, at a whip crack to do hard labor, what would you, would, would you try and stop that person? Yeah, call 911. What if, what if you're in the middle of nowhere and there's no cell service? Post-apocalypse, Ian. 
Yeah, post- call the I don't. I don't think I would attack the situation. It's too you'd, dangerous. You'd, you'd let the. I'd have. I'd know that it was there, and I would report it. Somehow. Let's say you're armed. I don't think I would attack the situation. It doesn't. It's not safe. That's not a safe situation no, to look, attack. Look, look, the, what if the, the guy's uh, a complete, just a total wimp? No guns. He has nothing. He has no, nothing. No, no, by the he, way, he coming, like, I'm, I'm useless. Yeah, you, uh, you, you could totally take this guy. No, 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 no. Let's, let's say you're armed with a gun, and you see a man who's enslaved another man. Would you save the person who's been enslaved? I, I wouldn't. Would, would take you, it. I wouldn't attack the, the, the slave. The slaver. It, not no. Not today. Not me. In, in 22, 2022. That's the craziest thing to me. Like, like, like I, w- would you guys? Would I attack? Yeah, I, I like. Would, I like would, to. Would, hope, so I like to think if there so. Was, if, I, there were, if, if it's, it's you're, you're, there's no cell service anywhere, and you come across a guy who's enslaved another man. Let's say it's a racial minority. You're armed. Would you attempt to free the man who's been enslaved? Enslaved. And use force if necessary. By the way, he's not asking I, for I, legal I, advice. He's right. asking for philosophical advice. Moral, ethical questions. Yeah. Uh, what I, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, It's kind of crazy to me. I think the answer is very, very simple. Mm. Yes, 100%. Mm-hmm. I would yell to the guy, back the F off, mm-hmm. get away now, where's the key to the chains? But what if he pulls out a weapon? If, if, if someone enslaved another person, and like literally he's probably got a weapon on him. And had a weapon on him? I would act in defense of others and use the force necessary to to stop that 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 situation. Is he does he even care that he's a slave? I mean, is he Ian, is, what? Is he being attacked? <laughs> what? <laughs> yes, I I'd imagine. We're slaves yeah. to the system that we live I don't, in. You I, yo, yo, yo. I, I don't I, want I don't, someone to break me out. And would you want someone with a gun to come save you no, and do that no, for No, thank you. They've tried. No thanks. I don't need there government to save me right now. That I think are <laughs> Con- like <laughs> that big government intervening in slavery <laughs> relations. <laughs> Let me let me let me let me simplify it in for you. If you saw a big fat fifty year old bald guy with a seven year old little girl with a chain around her neck and he oh was boy. dragging her and you were armed, would you would you use the force necessary to save that little girl? If he's dragging her across the ground and hurting her? That's a different story. What's if, the difference? Well, the guys, me, if I just see a slave, like a guy chained up sitting there, that's different than seeing okay. a kid get dragged across let, the let, ground. Let's say you're, it's a field, you're, you're you're coming across a field, you got no cell service. You're armed, and you see a big, fat, nasty-looking, slobbering guy with a you know ten-year-old girl in chains, crying and screaming. Her wrists are red, and he's laughing at her, and he's like, "I own you." I would what? take control of the situation with the weapon, and if he had a weapon, I'd fire. If he so, aimed his weapon right, at me, I'd fire. Go. So, so when it comes to racial yeah. minorities, you wouldn't intervene, but when it comes to children, you would. Well, if they're in, if they're if any human, I don't care what race they are, if they're being if they're a child and they're being dragged across the ground by someone, I will intervene. But like general slavery, you're fine with. Like if they were, it's if not was, my position to go destroy someone's slave environment. I would love to. <laughs> I can't. Like, I can, what, what do you want saying? me to do? I'm, I'm not in advocating the America. John Brown. Brown. I'm not John a, Brown. I know John Brown was intense. Very, I have he him lost. on my Twitter page. But look, look, uh, look. But I'm not advocating invading China to un, to free the Uyghurs. I, I think I would love to free the Uyghurs. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I think you're. I think you're. Um, extrapolating what your answer might be to other more complicated situations. Tim's just asking in this specific situation, what well, would you do? I Not think, necessarily how that applies to China right, but or I any think other foreign I power. think Ian's issue is that he doesn't want to answer these these moral questions. So instead deflect. But it's also 1003, but I want to. Let's go. All right, we'll, we'll go to the member segment. If you haven't already, smash that like button, subscribe to this channel, and come listen to our morality debate on Gosh. whether or not you would use force <laughs> 
to free slaves? It's an interesting question. <laughs> now that you but, say it like that, it actually—I don't know—maybe I'm just tired from my yeah, newborn. Is, but I wanted to—I want to—I want to—I want to—I want to bring this conversation into abortion and, and the modern era. So go to timcast.com. We're going to have this conversation. It'll be evergreen. It'll be good for. We have a lot of—we have a lot of shows about this and religion stuff. So uh, support the channel by being a member. Smash the like button. Subscribe. You can follow the show at timcast IRL. You can follow me at timcast. Follow us on Instagram. Will you want to shout anything out? Um, yeah, Internet Accountability Project, the IAP.org. Also, just follow me on Twitter, at Will Chamberlain. I am Seamus Coughlin. I have a YouTube channel called Freedom Tunes. We release a new cartoon every Thursday. We have one coming out this week that I think is pretty funny about uh, federal agents. Mm-hmm. And we also released a cartoon today about the Joe Rogan public apology. And it, it actually has Tim guest starring as Dr. Fauci. So if you guys want to check right. that out, go over to YouTube.com slash Freedom Tunes. Hit subscribe. Hit the notification bell. And check out the new cartoons as they're released. Thank I- you. Ian, everyone's typing one in chat. That means I win. Oh, no, that means type <laughs> one if you love me. All too late. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I want to give a special shout out to Luke Rutkowski, oh, yeah. who's in the chat right Ooh, now. Of course. And I got his shirt on right now. This is a We Are Change shirt. Oh, snap. This is awesome. It's, it's got so true. all the different dystopian worlds. And in the middle, you're here. I don't necessarily agree with that, Luke, but I'm wearing a shirt because I love you and I love the shirt. <laughs> and uh, you can get these at thebestpoliticalshirts.com. Follow me at iancarlson.net. And I just I, rolled a twenty, Ian, by you, the way. And you won't, you won't even take a stance on the shirt you're wearing. Oh my god, <laughs> that <was> amazing. <laughs> I love it. Um, I firmly agree with the shirt. I have to say that I think the world we're living in is a weirder and worse dystopia than any portrayed in any of these books. I'm hoping that it's about to get brighter. Uh, it's very dark right now. Anyway, you guys may follow me on Twitter on Minds at Sarah Patch Lids. We will see you all at timcast.com. Thanks for hanging out. Bye guys.